Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. Trayvon Martin case that's been promoted by Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, and others has completely collapsed and appears to be a hoax. Uh, it looks like Mr. Zimmerman uh, followed him, and that was his uh, only uh, mistake. I think it was stupid because that's always escalating things, but now there's witnesses that have been there from day one. The police didn't tell anybody about that Trayvon Martin was on top of him, broke his nose, you know, busted his head open. Uh, it looks like Martin's got all sorts of stuff in his past. The media has been showing photos of him when he's 12 years old instead of 17. Uh, Zimmerman, uh, of course, uh, was like 5'2", five, 5'3", five, Trayvon Martin, 6'3". So we now see this image emerging uh, of the fact that what we were originally told uh, is not the case. And haven't we seen that before with Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, two shameful people who are constantly race baiting and creating racial division, trying to raise money off this, the new Black Panther Party, uh, who just are basically, in my view, black Ku Klux Klan, running around calling for vigilante justice to get Zimmerman, the media uh, piling on and calling the guy white when he looks more Hispanic so whites can be bad. We saw that with the whole lacrosse team thing. They were totally exonerated. Turned out the whole thing was made up. Did we get an apology from Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton? No, we never did. Now, when cops shoot a black man in handcuffs in the back, who's completely innocent in San Francisco, it gets covered up. And you don't see you know, people running around calling for riots. But whenever it can be about playing groups of Americans off against each other, the mainstream corporate media that wants to divide and conquer is there. But remember what happened with the lacrosse team at Duke. Well, now all of this is coming out. Let me show you right here uh, some of the articles just to refresh your memory. Charges dropped in Duke lacrosse case. Totally exonerated, all made up. Uh, here's the Drudge Report. New details emerge on Trayvon. Multiple suspensions from school, marijuana, graffiti, possession of burglary tool, jewelry. Cop Zimmerman says Trayvon decked him. With one blow, hammered head on sidewalk. That's what witnesses we learned a week ago have been saying. Suffering broken nose, had injury to back of head. Former NAACP leader, who actually wants people to live in peace, accuses Sharpton Jackson of exploiting death. And he says the real problem is black-on-black crime. Yeah, that's the real death numbers. Mother seeks to trademark son's name. Cracker t-shirt hits Florida streets. And boy, I saw this. You know, why is it always okay to call white people names? Why is it always okay to do stuff like that? I'm sick of it. I mean, look at that. Puss-ass cracker. 
It's supposedly cute and funny. So this is just completely and totally disgusting, and I, for one, am sick of it, okay? And to watch tens of thousands of people in Orlando, in Dallas, in Chicago, in New York come out and protest in basically a hate white people event, let me tell black folks something, okay? And I know we have a ton of black viewers and listeners who are great people and fully awake to the real threat, the global mega banks are destroying our society, the depression, the devaluation of the dollar, the wars, the, you know, the troops breathing DU. But to the folks that are buying into this kind of mainstream media race pimping deal, this is about divide and conquer. The average white person is a guilt-ridden creature who hates themselves and wants to prove to black people that they love you, okay? I mean, a large portion of whites voted to put Obama in office, so I'm sick of hearing this. And I told people, they're putting Obama in so he can create racial division, not using this to heal old wounds, because the system doesn't want that. They want to continue to play people off against each other. So, the Trayvon Martin hoax is imploding, okay? It is imploding, and... Uh, the former head of the NAACP is right. This is being used as a way to get people at each other's throats. It is only going to hurt relations in this country and hurt our economy as people don't work together. Because even if whites aren't racist, most of them, they start getting paranoid thinking everybody, you know, hates them. The cows. Justice. Gus T. Renegade. In for another broadcast. Hopefully, to share constructive information. Today's date. Sunday, September 9th, 2012, so I have been told. We might be back tomorrow evening, waiting for confirmation. May not. We'll have to see. Check the program page. Uh, we'll update on Facebook as we get confirmation. Talk to you page, caller ID is one two two. 689, the new ID. Check us out, talk to you. If you get confused, you should be able to find it on the Facebook group. Uh, you can Google it. You can email me if you get confused and are not able to access the live programs or the archives. Any of the programs that you missed, you want to check out, download, should be able to access all of that. iTunes, you just do a search, guest names racism search should pop up with the archives for all of the programs again if you get confused shoot me an email until justice at gmail.com our guest for today's program he was with us about two years ago summer of 2010 uh, we discussed his report psychology and white ethnocentrism Really interesting essay. I will put it in the chat room as we discuss this evening, but I would encourage folks that are listening in, check out that essay. A lot of great information. Uh, the quick summary of the report, our guest, he talks about the need to get white people to explicitly endorse white pride, uh, that this is waning amongst white people, uh, that white people are being discouraged from being proud, white ethnocentric, 
focusing on the upkeep maintenance of the white race uh, and that white people might need to look to unconventional means to get white people motivated to maintain that sense of white pride, white solidarity, working together for the benefit of the white race. That's in the report, Psychology and White Ethnocentrism. Uh, you can check out some of his other reports. Uh, you can visit the website, theoccidentalobserver.net, theoccidentalobserver.net. They have quite a few reports from our guest, as well as other individuals who are white. I'm looking at the page, and I'm, I'm snickering a little bit because uh, he has a video to another person whose content I've checked out before. They actually have talked about uh, the new Black Panther Party and uh, Malik Shabazz, but that is another story. At any rate, I guess for today, he's written uh, on his blog site about the Trayvon Martin issue. Uh, he's talked about, done film reviews, the most recent installment of Snow White, uh, and general issues that are of concern to white people. I think that would be an accurate statement. Real pleasure to have him back on the program. Again, his second time visiting with us, uh, joining us live, Kevin McDonald, Ph.D. Uh, Professor McDonald, are you with us? Yes, I am. Glad to be here. Outstanding. Glad to have you back again. Uh, for our listeners, this is their first time hearing from you. Uh, could you give just a little bit of background information, let them know a little bit more about what it is that you do? Yeah, I'm, I'm a professor of psychology at California State University, Long Beach. I teach uh, evolutionary psychology, basically. And, um, uh, yeah, I've become very – I've also written a lot about Jewish issues and about uh, wishes, issues related to white identity. You mentioned that. The paper on uh, psychology and white ethnocentrism, uh, um, right? So I, I, I developed uh, the idea that white people uh, should and ought to, and have every every white to have an identity as white people, and to you know to try to advance their interests as white people, as other groups do. You see, uh, the, you know, if you look at black people, they have the NAACP. Uh, look at Mexicans, they have La Raza and Mecha, and if you look at Jews, they have the ADL and. Southern Poverty Law Center and so on, but you know what? What do we have? We we have nothing. And if, as soon as uh, we start um, talking about uh, white interests and white identity, uh, you know, it's policed. You know, you'll lose your job. You'll you'll be um, you know just viewed as this moral outcast, which is ludicrous. I mean, we we have every right to have our own sense of our of people, our own sense of interests, and so on. Wow. Do you honestly feel? that white people don't have any organizations that speak to the interests of white people? Well, at best, they would, they would be implicitly white, you know, in that article that you, you talked about. That is, there might be some organizations, and I, off the top of my head, I can't think of any, certainly not the Republican Party. Uh, I'd like to think of a candidate. Could you think of one I, I, that, that is really a white, uh, that has the interests of white people at heart? I, I have a very hard time thinking of that. Um, in fact, I can't think of any. Um, I mean, there's certainly uh, organizations that the white people dominate, like the Republican Party, but they're not, they're not, uh, um, you know, they're not geared to the interests of white people. The Republican Party is uh, basically geared to the interests of uh, big corporations uh, and the cause of Israel and so on. They are not geared to uh, to white people at all. They they go along with the uh, immigration thing. Uh, 
they um, basically knuckled under to this whole thing. So, again, I have a hard time thinking of any organization uh, that's explicitly uh, in favor of white people, except for the American Third Position, which is a political party that I'm affiliated with. We we are very small, but we are starting, and we're we have a presidential candidate, and we are explicitly in favor of, of white identity and white interests. Okay. Well, in terms of candidates, I know Mitt Romney, and I'm just humoring you for like 30 seconds. Mitt Romney, uh, this summer while he was visiting London, one of his staff members is reported to have said that the current administration, they don't understand the special Anglo-Saxon history and relationship that the English and Americans have. Presumably, they just mean white people. Now, did you do you recall hearing that statement? Actually, I don't. I, 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 the only thing I remember about uh, Romney in London was that he was sort of dis disrespecting the the organization for the Olympic Games. But uh, anyway, I mean, you know, I'd like to see somebody try to make the case that the Republican Party has the interests of white people at heart. I just don't see that. I, it's like so way, way, way far away from that. Um, I mean, again, they, you look at George Bush, the, the George Bush presidency, it was eight years, and he didn't do anything about immigration. Immigration is the number one thing that is making white people into a minority. It's obviously not in the interest of white people. But they can, they did it. They didn't, they, they never questioned it, really. They, they uh, you, in fact, Bush even tried to, to do an amnesty for illegals. I mean, the, the Republican Party is simply not in favor of, of the interests of white people. And what's so pathetic is that you have all these white working class people who think that they don't want to vote Democrat because they see, you know, the Democratic Party is the, basically the rainbow coalition of non-whites. Uh, uh, but the Republican Party isn't doing a thing for them. They've outsourced their jobs. They've, they've just uh, done horrible things for, for the white working class. Uh, and yet the white working class is, a, is an important constituency of the Republican Party. But uh, ever since Reagan, and, and, uh, but they do nothing for them. So I, 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 I can't think of any uh, influential uh, mainstream organization that is uh, in favor of white people, even implicitly. I mean, we're, we're, uh, the, the Republican Party uh, is something that you might think, but, you know, it's like the only other examples, you know, in that, in that paper that you mentioned before, Psychology and White Ethnocentrism, I talked about things like NASCAR and uh, country music. Well, those are implicitly white. But they don't advance white interests. They're sort of white entertainment, and and, and people, white people get together and go to those races and they listen to that music. But that doesn't really help their cause politically. Uh, it, it's sort of, you know, it's their their culture, and, and they are holding on to, which I think is wonderful. But uh, they're not. Uh, they're certainly not advancing their their cause politically. Now that is fascinating. Now, as a non-white person. My view is that white people are securing, maintaining, expanding the interests of white people at all times, regardless of what they're doing. And they're doing this explicitly, implicitly. Now, it seems that you're saying you see a lack of this happening at an explicit level. Uh, and that there should be white people explicitly, proudly fighting for the interests of white people and making that known. No shame about it at all. And it shouldn't be penalized. I hear that. Uh, I just I take the view that I think the Republican Party 
really all of them, the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the party, any other parties you can think of, they're all working in the interests of white people. They just have a different philosophy, a different worldview about what they should be doing in the interests of white people. That would be my view. But I'm interested in hearing more. Can you tell me, like, specific things well, that well, I think, are I not think, being done other yeah, than think, uh, the immigration? But, but why say other than immigration? That is Exhibit A. That is the 800-pound gorilla. Well, why is that in the interest of white people to become a minority in a society that they've, they've dominated for 200 Three hundred years. I mean, it's crazy. You, you, you can't you can't avoid immigration, and both parties have have no objection to the to uh, to, to uh, legal immigration. The only objection is to, to some extent to illegal immigration, and Romney's been backpedaling ever since the primaries on that. So I, I just don't see it. I I, I don't see. Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't see how how uh, anything is any of the major institutions of a country are are uh, actively doing anything in favor of white people. I mean, what how's it in favor of white people to become a minority? I just don't understand that. It's it's crazy because eighty percent of non-whites vote Democrat. I mean, why 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 are we doing this uh, if we're in charge of everything here and 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 why why is it that someone like me? Uh, is uh, shunned and viewed as a moral uh, outcast and and all that for advocating the interests of my own people, uh, you know, explicitly. Uh, it's because that is something that is a no-no. You're not supposed to do that. And I understand where people are coming from in terms of some of the, the past, uh, but that, that doesn't, you know, whatever happened in the past is not a license to, you know, to go massively, so massively against white interests that, that we become a minority, we come, become relatively powerless, and so on. I, I just don't understand what the logic of that. Just for clarity for our listeners, uh, it's my understanding that white people are the minority on the planet. You're talking about the area of the world known as the U.S. specifically, white people becoming a minority in this area, correct? And, and of course, it's not just, just it's not just America. Every country that is dominated by white people, Canada, Australia, all the European countries, uh, well, except with the exception of Eastern Europe, actually, but all the Western European countries have these immigration policies uh, that, in many cases, that they're projected to produce, uh, produce white minorities within this century. And they said the true of England, Australia, New Zealand, they're all importing massive numbers of non-whites. How is this in their interest? Uh, if, if race, if their race and their interests are so important, why in the world are they doing this? I don't. I just don't see the logic of it. I, I mean, I, 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 you know, you think about England or Sweden. In, in Sweden and England, white people have dominated those countries for probably thirty-five thousand years. Thirty-five thousand years, and they decided that within a couple of generations, they are going to cede control. And they're going to put themselves on a timetable so that within, say, 50 years from now, they're going to be a minority in those societies. And they keep doing it. And anybody who raises an objection to that is viewed as a horrible, horrible, racist, Nazi, uh, evil, evil person. How is this in the interest of white people to import Muslims who hate Christianity? They want to have a wholly different culture. It's not in the interest of white people. The people who are running these societies are running them, but they're not running them on the basis of interests of white people. Wow, that is fascinating. 
now. I want and to by the way, you know, I, I, I take it you're African American. What, what if what if they uh, suddenly there was a, the 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 uh, the uh, um, UN or something like that said that uh, mandated that forty million white people should go to the Congo or. Kenya or whatever Zimbabwe, whatever those societies are, and, and colonize them as immigrants. But that's what we're seeing here in, in America. You, know, you got these Ethiopians. Yeah, right. But the the Ethiopians are coming here, but the, the whites have left. Okay, they, they've left those societies to the to, to black people. But but what we have here now is an ongoing invasion of every culture in the world. you got Ethiopians and Koreans and you got every Asian group and every African group and every South American. They're all coming and they're all invading Western countries. Now, how is that in the interest of white people? It's not, obviously. Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, do you think white people in this area of the world, the United States, uh, if the most powerful white people decided that they were opposed to immigration of non-white people, that they could stop this quote-unquote invasion of non-white people to this area of the world? Well, if, if you know, it, it would take a, a huge effort. Uh, and again, my view is, you've, well, you have two big forces going on. One is the corporations who want cheap labor. Uh, but historically, they have not been that important. If I far, you know, according to what I've written, and you can go to my website, KevinMcDonald.net. I have uh, the documentation. My my view is that Jewish organizations, Jewish intellectual movements, and so on have uh, have basically done this, and because they they hate Europe, they oh, hate European wait, culture. Wait a minute. We veered off from the question a little bit. The question was the most powerful white people in this area of the world. Do they have the ability well, to if, stop if, if, this quote unquote non-white invasion? Well, if, if they, I mean, how could they do this? I mean, what I'm saying is this this immigration policy is dominated by these elites that have no interest in changing those policies, and a huge part of that elite are these are, are very are wealthy, uh, are these wealthy organizations, Jewish activist organizations, other ethnic interest groups. Watch what would happen. I mean, a while ago during the Clinton administration, Barbara Jordan, who's a black congresswoman, they were recommending. Uh, lowering the immigration levels. Nothing happened. Uh, this is incredibly well entrenched. And okay. it's... it's, okay. a, it's a, I didn't want to interrupt, but the question I feel like it still hasn't been answered, which is fine, but I just... Well, I don't think that, that they can. I mean, uh, I mean, like, like what, what, what group of white people? The Republican Party? They're not doing this. If, if they, suddenly they got in power and they suddenly changed their mind, but how are they going to without just a massive upheaval? Uh, immigration, multiculturalism, immigration policy is it, is entrenched. It's like um, very difficult to change at this point. I don't know uh, that anybody uh, could. I mean, say Romney got elected, and say Romney had a change of heart, and he said, "Well, you know, I don't." Actually, the Republican Party has a huge interest in stopping immigration. If eighty percent of non-whites vote vote Democrat. Well, and, and a lot of people have said this, Pat Buchanan, I've said this, uh, Ronald Brownstein, the, the L.A. Times columnist or the National, uh, the National Journal columnist, they're saying, look, the Republican Party is doomed. They cannot possibly win any, any more elections. Maybe this term, this time, they're still going to be competitive. But after this, they're going to have to have 70, 80 percent of white people voting for them because non-whites are voting for Democrats. 
So it's in the interest of, of Republicans to stop this, but they don't do it. And and so, but you know, imagine Mitt Romney gets in and he says, "I'm going to change this because I see the Republican Party as destroyed if we don't." Well, let's see if he could do it. He'd have to get through, uh, you know, the Congress. He'd have to do all this stuff. I don't know. I think he, you know, it's possible. You know, it happened in 1924, but that was a very different society back then. 1924, they had the immigration law. It, it, it favored what uh, favored Northwestern Europe. It, it was based on whatever uh, percentage of the population you were at the present time. But uh, that's a long time ago, and a lot of water under the bridge, and I, I don't think that would be viable. I'd like to see it happen, of course. I don't think it's possible. Okay. Keep the question in volume, folks, uh, listeners. And I would recommend keeping in mind why people frequently have disagreements about what is in the best interest of the white race. I think the evidence shows that. I did, I wanted to ask, because I was checking out your blog site, or some of your posts, rather, and you were writing about one of our previous guests, your pal and mine, SPLC's Mark Potok. Oh, yeah, uh, my now, pal. <laughs> you, uh, we are good buddies. You were, yeah, oh, yeah, he's, he's a big fan of mine, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> you were talking about how, I guess, Mark Potok specifically, and the Southern Poverty Law Center in general, that they have attacked you, and that stuck out to me for a lot of reasons. What is it exactly that they accused you of doing? Well, the, the biggest problem they have is that I, I say that it's, that it's legitimate to, for white people to have a sense of their own interests and identity. And, of course, I've also, I've also talked about Jewish power. They don't like either of those things. So that, that's what they said. They say that I'm a racist. They, well, you know, Heidi Byrick is the other one. She came on campus in 2006. There's this like five year long campaign against me that was instigated by the Southern Poverty Law Center. And, and um, the, the main point, the main th charge was that I was a racist. Uh, yeah, that I, I, and, you know, I, if you look at the Southern Poverty Law Center, it's a great example of a, of a Jewish activist organization that does not say Jewish in the title, but all the money comes, it's when well-documented, all the money comes from, from Jews, uh, and it pursues Jewish interests, and, and you know, my, a lot of my writing is on Jewish power, Jewish influence, well, they don't like that, they don't like that I take the, the idea that white people have ethnic interests, have racial interests, and, and should identify as whites and pursue those interests, I mean, if white people were pursuing their interests all the time, was okay, and all that, Boy, it's really a stealth operation because I, I don't see it. I see as soon as a white guy comes up and says, you know, I'm a white guy and I want to, I want to advance white interests. Well, you lose your job. That's what, that's what they've tried to do to me for, for six years. They've Did you tried lose your it. job? Wait a minute now. Did you lose they, your they, job? Well, they tried to, to get it. They did, did you lose your could. job? Because I have tenure. They know if, if did they did Did you lose it, your job? Of course I did not because I have tenure. Okay. That's the only thing that protected me. But look at look at the people like like say Rick Sanchez on uh, you know on CNN. He says, "Well, the Jews have all this power in the media." Well, he was gone the next day. That's far more typical. You look at Helen White, the the uh, the um, course the, the White House correspondent. She got fired as soon as she started talking about Israel in and uh, in a way they didn't like. This is re this is repetitive. A guy named Kevin Lamb. He was fired from Human Events because he was associated with people who were who were called racist. This is a this is a totalitarian state when it comes to any 
any statements that, that get out of line. And the only, the only protection I have is tenure. And I feel that because I have tenure, I have an obligation to do this kind of thing. Because unlike that vast majority of white people, I will not lose my job. And that is absolutely right. But that's a, that is a, a protection of the job. It's be, and it was enacted a long time ago to protect academic freedom so that people like me could express their opinions. I am using that. I shave. I shave. Um, this, this came up, I think, three days ago on the program. Dr. Henry Bauer, uh, he's a dean emeritus, Virginia Tech. Uh, he has written about lots of different topics. But we were talking specifically about this article he wrote in 93 about affirmative action at Virginia Tech. Dr. Bauer says he's a white person. He's a dean? He, dean Emeritus. He's oh, retired okay. now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, he, in this essay, and in the program, because we talked about this, and he was saying that he's seen just a litany of white professors attacked, had their careers sabotaged, as a result of accusations of racism. Absolutely. And so I asked him, well, hang on, I asked him, I said, well, can you tell me some people? Is there data? Is there a report on this? Is there a study? Uh, do you have a collection of individuals uh, who have suffered through this? And he had one anecdote, and that was it. And I said, okay, to me, I don't see any evidence that white professors are struggling with accusations of racism. So I ask the same question to you. Do you have well, studies, data of white professors who have had major problems as a result of accusations of racism? Absolutely. Arthur Jensen is a great example. I mean, he came out, uh, did the Harvard Education Review article, said, you know, talked about black IQ, said it was genetic and all that. Well, he was subjected to 30 years of, of hostility. He'd, he'd go to give talks and, and there'd be all these demonstrations and hostility. Uh, you know, the other one is J. Philippe Russian, University of Western Ontario. Huge campaign against him. Uh, back, it's, it's been a while, but it, I think in, 19, it's in the 1990s. And the thing is, and same with me, you know, I mean, I, I, I was uh, accused of being racist because I talked about black IQ in one of my courses, which was part of the curriculum because it's child development course, IQ is always in it. But what happens, even, you know, someone like me, I have tenure, Arthur Jensen had tenure. This protects people, right? But it doesn't prevent you from the shunning and the hostility and the hatred that you get from other faculty members. I, 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 there were years on end during the academic year when I'd open up, I'd get, turn on my computer and have like all these hostile emails from faculty members. And they're public. They're not like private. They're, they, they, we have these faculty email lists. And they go after me. They won't talk to me in the halls. They won't, uh, you know, they won't put me on a committee that has any power. I'm a developmental psychologist, I'm retiring. Well, they, they, they're hiring two developmental psychologists. There's no possibility I could ever even be on the committee to make my own replacement. That is, you know, in other words, you lose all your power and you, you become an outcast and, and, and you, you're victim of shunning. They, you know, you're just hated. And, I, and I've, I've encountered a number of graduate students over the years, and I and they say, well, you know, I have these attitudes like you do, and I don't know quite what to do. Uh, and, I, and my advice is, look, you got to stay undercover for until you get tenure. Don't bother doing all this stuff because all that'll happen is that you'll get fired, or or if you because until you have tenure, yeah, they'll fire you tomorrow. 
there's a, a, a nice article uh, just coming out, actually, in a major psychology journal showing that people who are on the left, and those are all the people that are doing this, um, people are on the left have no compunctions about discriminating against people with attitudes they don't like. And, of course, someone with attitudes like me, I'd be fired tomorrow if they could. But in the meantime, they do everything they can short of firing to make my life miserable. And they do that repeatedly. So I, I don't recommend it to anybody. And, and that's why there's another article showing that that um, who, the people who become professors, it's not just that they're, it's not that they're smarter, you know, because there are a lot of smart people, they just decide not to become professors. The people who become professors have liberal attitudes already. They fit right in. And once they get in there, then they, they form this community and they shun people who don't have the same ideas that they do. It's a herd mentality and it's very effective. And uh, anybody who, who bucks up against that, the, the other guy is Jack Nygaard. He's from, uh, not Jack Nygaard, uh, the guy from Denmark, um, Nyborg, Helmut Nygaard, Nyborg, uh, subjected to all kinds of uh, problems at uh, his university in Denmark because he, he had some ideas on sex differences. He also wrote on IQ and race differences. Uh, he's had a lot of trouble and, and you know, big in inquisitions and, and, you know, again, I don't think he got fired. Uh, he might have. The other guy is Andrew Frazier down in Australia at, at, at Marker University. He uh, said things, um, he said that blacks, uh, he was opposed to black immigration to Australia. He said there'd probably be, uh, there'd be likely increasing crime looking at black patterns around the world. Well, he got uh, fired. Um, they, they uh, you know, again, uh, and he was brought up on public charges uh, in the legal system because they have these hate crime laws. And uh, so I, I don't know if he, what happened with that. I think he had to, they, they signed some kind of, or he sort of acknowledged it or something, maybe had to pay a fine or something. But it, it wasn't. Anyway, the point is, people who with these ideas are being marginalized. They've been fired when, as soon as possible. And in general, they're going to make their lives miserable for them. And it's a repeated pattern. I, you know, those are the people <laughs> that I can think of off the top of my head, and there are probably others. Okay. Uh, I wrote, I was taking notes, uh, Arthur Jensen, author yeah. of The Bell Curve. No, he, he's not the author of The Bell Curve. He, he, he did some of the studies, the original studies on um, black uh, IQ and so on. But, you know, The Bell Curve was Hernstein and Murray. Uh, Charles Murray. Oh, Her, I think Hernstein. By the time I think I think by the time Hernstein published that, he was already retired. In fact, when the, when the book came out, he died right right after it came out, and I think he was retired from Harvard at that point. But he had gotten into trouble too, because he had had written a couple things uh, that were not sort of sort of non-liberal. I don't think so much about IQ, and then he teamed up with Murray to do the Belker. But um, he got sort of in trouble with that. And the other thing, you know, the, the other area is evolutionary biology, which is my background, really. And there you have people like E.O. Wilson. E.O. Wilson was a Harvard professor, famous, well, you know, well-known, writes a book in 1975 called Sociobiology, writes one chapter about humans, and the entire left went crazy at the very thought that humans, would have, there would be any evolutionary story, any genetic story at all to human behavior that humans might, uh, some of their practices might be influenced, uh, human culture might be influenced by human biology. 
you know, people like Lewinton and Gould and, and Stephen Rose, uh, all of whom are, are uh, you know, also, also professors, but also on the left, also Jewish, it just went after him, and it was like a huge thing. He'd go to a conference, and people would throw red paint on him, like blood, you know. And it was just awful what, what, what happened to him. Uh, again, they couldn't get rid of him. He had tenure, and he was famous, and there was no way that Harvard was going to get rid of him. But he, his life was miserable, and and uh, had huge. <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Okay, okay. Um, Ian Wilson, uh, whose life was miserable. Uh, we're talking about a professor emeritus at Harvard, a two-time winner of the Pulitzer Prize, uh, like you, tenure, so he couldn't be fired. Right. Uh, and I just want listeners to keep in mind, out of the names that you just mentioned. We didn't get the double digits. You said Arthur Jensen, uh, Professor Rushton in Canada, uh, Nyborg. In Denmark. Uh, you mentioned the professor in Australia. And I want yeah, listeners yeah. to keep that in mind, too. I think he's named a total of about six, seven people around the world. I didn't hear any of these people were put in jail, flogged. Well, but, but the, the wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me finish. Okay. I didn't hear that any of these people, you know, suffered in any kind of uh, some of these people two-time Pulitzer Prize winners in this list of people who allegedly suffered white people who allegedly suffered for speaking openly expressing truth or at least their views on race or intelligence and race in my view that just further makes the point um yeah in my it's self-evident I don't even need to say no 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 look look well, what you have to show is that you have to be able to name somebody who did take view, strong views on genetics and race or biology or something like that, who was not persecuted at all. And I can't think of anybody on that. Can you think of anybody? No. I mean, before, well, yes, the, yes. The fact is, yes, people wait, yes, I can. yes, I can. You asked me a question. Yeah. I would like to answer. Who's that? Uh, Dr. Sims. Who? Uh, he is the father of gynecology. Uh, he experimented on slaves, and he is still recognized, praised, and lauded. Uh, and this is someone who, in my view, open racist. Uh, but he's still where, given all sorts of credit and recognition. When, when, are, when, are, when, when did he live? And when, when, where is I? I never heard of this guy. Uh, I can give you information. Well, when did he live? I, there know, are I, other. Yeah, if he, there if, are other white people. There are other, in my view, tons of white people who espoused openly racist views. They were celebrated during their lifetime and have well, been yeah, I mean, yeah, this is all prior to 1970, I'll bet. Name oh, someone okay. since 1970. I saw them have a party for uh, Jesse Helms, where they were even making openly... He's not an academic. Racist. Look, I'm talking about the academic world, where, where oh, people okay. publish stuff on race and IQ and that kind of thing. Okay. Look at the hostility. Even that. even people like Hernstein and Murray from Belker. I mean, a huge hostility. I mean, it, it was palpable. But, the, you know, oh, Hernstein died yeah. right yeah, away. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. With the professors, I'm saying that is malarkey. Yeah, I, w I wouldn't even attempt. I wouldn't spend five seconds trying to think of a white professor who's not got in trouble. You've named about seven white people. Who, who have published books? Or, wait a minute, let me finish. Who published oh, books or expressed views on race and intelligence? You've named about seven people around the world. Most of these people were not fired. 
Look, Maybe look, they got you, some you, bad emails. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We just have a different view. I'm giving no, a different view. No, this is you, my view on what you said. You have to name someone. You have to name someone. Can I finish, please, sir? Can I finish? And no problems Can at I finish, all. Please, sir? Can I finish, please, sir? I'll be satisfied. Okay, well, let me finish my point. Because yeah. I've been pretty courteous and not interrupting you. My point is, as I, I said, have, I would not invest any time like trying to name a professor or any white person of that, for that matter, who has expressed some sort of explicit statement on race where they were suspected of being a racist. I would not waste any time on that. White people say whatever they want to worldwide. The only people that you could get in trouble with, in my view, would be other white people. And with what you've listed, some bad emails, maybe somebody will throw some paint on you. If that's the gist <laughs> of what's going to happen, oh, and you can God. still get tenure, you didn't lose your no, job. All some of the other people that you mentioned didn't lose their did job. Search. They all had tenure before they did it. And, and people like Frazier didn't have tenure, and that's why he got fired. Again, what you have to do is find someone who's well-known, who published since 1970, who had no trouble that. talking about yeah. race and IQ and all that stuff and taking a political okay. position. Find me one that. guy. And the okay. fact is, people that. are terrified because they okay. know what will happen. And they know they could never do this if they didn't have tenure. Okay. I got that. We, we have a disagreement there, but I do understand your point on that. Got it. Moving forward, I want to, number one, any of the listeners, if you have questions, the number to dial is 760-569-7676, and the code is 564-943-POUND. Press star six if you have questions. I'll give out the number again as we go. If you're on the talk shoe line, star eight if you have questions. I would, again, encourage folks, keep in mind, white people do have disagreements about what is in the best interest of the white race. Keep that in mind. Uh, we will so see. How is massive immigration, non-white immigration, in, in any Hang on, hang on, hang on. I was trying to move forward. Um, I'll make sure if you if you can keep a note of that thought, I definitely would like to hear it on immigration, but I do want to kind of move us forward a little bit. Uh, Justice, if you have some questions for Professor McDonald, your line should be open. Oh, okay, wait a minute. She might not. Uh, she might need a second or two. I will move us forward, and uh, we'll see if she has a, a question or so uh, in a minute. Uh, I'll get to some of the listeners as well. Um, moving down the line, and I will make sure to come back to the immigrant note because I do think that's important. I think that you know, white people. I've heard a lot of white people have a lot of very passionate views about immigration, yay and nay. Um, you talked earlier about. You, do, you said you do. You bumped into white people who talked to you who said that they agree with some, if not many, of the views that you've written about and talked about. But they said that they are concerned about expressing those views publicly because they're not sure if, they, if it will cause them problems about how many 
white people? Do you have a large number of white people who come to you on a private basis to agree with you, or is it a sparse number? <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know how exactly many, but you know, the other thing is, if you look at my website, uh, the National Observer, we have a lot of people writing under pseudonyms. Why are they writing under pseudonyms? Because they know that they can't do this. Uh, I just had a guy send uh, me an email, and he, his name was on an article that was up until today. And he said, please remove my name. I'm worried about my job. I removed it. Uh, I mean, this, this happens all the time. I mean, um, you look at, 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 in fact, I could go down my list. I'll look at, at uh, where's my list of writers here um, on the Accidental Observer, and I'll tell you how many are pseudonyms. Um, okay. <clears throat> Jack Beauregard is a pseudonym. Michael Cole Hayes, Edmund Connolly, Thomas Dalton, Dr. Lasha Martin, Dark Moon, um, Christopher Donovan, uh, John Graham is a, is a um, pseudonym. Um, and, uh, no, he, Richard Hose is a pseudonym. Uh, I don't know about Rob Eisner, Jansen. Um, Andrew Joyce is a pseudonym. Uh, I got um, Eric Knudsen is a pseudonym. Uh, I don't know about Colin Nadell. Rob Lonecker is a pseudonym. Um, Trevor Lynch is a pseudonym. Um, Do you know the demographics of some of these people that are writing with these pseudonyms? Are these these younger people? Are they older people? Do you know? Do you have? They're any different, but but yeah, I think the main uh, concern are people that have uh, um, jobs where they, they you know they they're people who are still working now you talked about this this dean at, at virginia tech well if he's emeritus he retired people get a lot bolder then there's nothing they can do at that point the number of times i see retired people suddenly well, they'll, they'll, they'll lend their name and I'm, I'm just halfway through this list i mean in other words this is very 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 common and i live in fear that certain of my writers are going to be exposed you know, I, I worry that the ADL uh, would, uh, that, you know, they would somehow monitor my email and, and figure out these some, some of these email addresses. And, and if, I mean, you know, if you're really serious, you could probably figure all that stuff out. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's we're, this is a reign of terror here. Uh, I'd say at least half my writers, maybe two-thirds, uh, have pseudonyms. What does that mean? There's fear out there. And then fear uh, that's directed at ideas like I have and like you see on my site. Uh, certainly, some are not. I mean, right now I got Tom Sunick up there. He's he's not. Uh, he's that's his real name. And there are some other people, but um, you know, most people have pseudonyms for very good reason. Hmm. That is fascinating. Your many of your concerns. They sound similar. We're doing a study session on Dr. William Pierce's The Turner Diaries. Are you familiar with that text? Uh, I haven't read it all. I just looked at a little bit of it. Okay. What do you have any? You have not read it. Is that correct? You have not read it. No, I I just read a few pages here and there. Okay. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, Well, you know, I I, as I say, I haven't read the whole thing, but I, I, Dr. Pierce, an interesting guy. He's dead now. Um, he was a professor at, at the University of Oregon, I guess, in physics, and um, dropped out, and, and and you know had these views, and then he you know, had to live hand to mouth the rest of his life, you know, trying to organize and and do something. But yeah, he was hounded. Uh, um, I don't know if he had tenure at Oregon. I think he just quit his job. I think he decided to be full time activist. I'm not sure what happened there, but uh, anyway, 
interesting guy. You don't have any information of him being forced out of his professorship? I don't think. I think he may have just voluntarily decided he wanted to become a white activist. I'm not sure about that. Just sort of changes view, his career. You know, again, I, I, I got halfway through this list. I could keep going. There are a lot more names here that are that are uh, fake names, and uh, to the point where I don't even put it on there anymore. That guys are writing under pseudonyms. That people sort of understand it, uh, with very few exceptions. Would it be more in line with what you're talking about when you say explicit? That white pride. This is my name. Bam. Spell it out exactly. Middle name included. Is that more in line with what you're talking about as opposed to having to be... Yeah, I mean, my, my view is that, that implicit whiteness isn't enough. You, know, you got stuff like NASCAR and country music, but that doesn't get you anywhere. I mean, it, it's sort of, uh, it's it's something that, that white people, certain kind of white person, you know, goes for. And they, when you go to a NASCAR race, there's 99% white people on the stands and all that. Um, the great, great majority of country music singers and audience are all white, but... You know that doesn't that doesn't do anything. It's just sort of it's implicit white. Uh, and I think when, when you know I, I suspect that when those, they go to those kinds of things and they see uh, other people like them and so on, they they feel good, but they don't think in those terms and and they probably don't talk about it much. Um, you know, again, I, I think there's a general sort of reign of terror. There's a guy, uh, you know, you know, I suppose you've heard of Jared Taylor uh, and American Renaissance. Well, um, he has a conference every couple of years and. Uh, uh, a, a guy, a lawyer, went there, and he made the mistake of interviewing with the Washington Post and asking him about it. Well, he he told him what his job was. It was a, a public defender or something. And he was out out the next day, uh, and and at his conferences, Jared Taylor, they've been hounded by these anti-fascist groups. And and the only thing, you know, Jared Taylor's a peaceful guy. He's an intellectual. All he's doing is saying that white people uh, should organize. We have interests and so on. And and he is hounded. He finally got a, a conference. Uh, uh, to actually go through this year after the three or four years of trying. Um, and uh, it was out in the middle of Tennessee, you know, in a rural area because uh, all these other, at a government building, because they felt what, at a government building, you can't prevent somebody from from uh, speaking the way they want. It's a First Amendment issue then. Whereas a hotel, these the hotels always get intimidated. The anti-fascists call up and say, if you don't cancel this guy, we're going to, we're going to come and bomb the place or do something horrible. And so Jared, then the hotel cancels with Jared Taylor. Actually, his organization made quite a bit of money because every time they canceled it, they had a contract. So the hotel had to pay off. But it shows the power and, and where and where the, the power is at. Explicit assertions of white identity and interests are proscribed. Uh, implicit things, if they're, you know, fall under the radar, country music, you know, talk about love and unrequited love and in your car and stuff like that, that's fine. You know, nobody cares. But you start talking about, uh, you know, actually Hank Williams, I guess now, uh, is, is making some some news, uh, you know, being more explicit. I heard he's on a radio show that was very explicitly white. Hank, Hank Williams Jr. Uh, there's another guy who... Uh, a country singer, Hank Williams? The, 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 the singer Hank Williams Jr.? Yeah, that the country singer, okay. Yeah, and he was on a, uh, my understanding, he was on a, ra- a radio program uh, called The Political Cesspool with James Edwards, who's a friend of mine. He's a very explicit uh, pro-white activist, and, uh, you know, he told Williams, look, this is what we are. Are you sure you want to do this? And he said, yeah. So um, it does happen, uh, and I, I suspect it may happen more and more as time goes on. I hope so, certainly. You but, said, uh, when we talked last time, you said you think if things continue, the immigration invasion of non-white people, if that continues, that you think there will 
be more explicit pride in the white race and that you'll have more white people who'll be listening to folks like you and Jared Taylor. You, you said that like, uh, two years ago. Is that correct? Yeah, and, and that's could be true. Uh, the other option is that white people become dispirited and apathetic. I was talking to someone today and, and we were sort of marveling at how people um, people who had been on board with these organizations are sort of getting apathetic and and not doing anything and um, losing heart. I, I don't know. You know, people may get start feeling defeated too. I, I just don't know. Hmm. Fascinating. I I'm curious. If is is it okay for me to ask how old you are? Is that all right? Pardon? Is it okay for me to ask how old you are? I'm sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. Okay. Okay. I'm an old guy. No question. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm an old white guy, soon to die. You know. Don't worry about me. <laughs> Fascinating. Again, uh, Professor Kevin McDonald. Although I, I do intend. My mother died at the age of 104, so I, I intend to live that long. So watch out. <laughs> I, I would. Uh, that's what I expect, pretty much. Uh, I will double check again, see if justice is available. Uh, let's see. Your line should be open. Justice, do you have any questions? Have you heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you very much uh, for coming to me. Uh, is it Dr. McDonald? Yes. Okay, uh, greetings. One of your articles, libertar- Libertarianism and White Racial Nationalism, what do you mean when you say White Racial Nationalism, referring to the to your title? Oh, yeah, well, it's the same thing we've been talking about here, that uh, white people have a sense of being white and identifying as white, consciously and explicitly, and, and having a sense of white interest and in organizing on that basis. So you'd have organizations analogous to the NAACP that would be quite powerful and get millions of dollars every year and organize the best they can uh, and explicitly advance white interests uh, against you know whatever's going on. That's basically all we mean by that. In fact, we, we don't, I, you know, I don't really like using that term white racial nationalism. I don't know exactly why. I guess that was, I think that was the title of a symposium that I sort of inherited, and so I used the title. I, I don't usually use that phrase. I talk about white advocacy, I talk about white identity and white interests. That, that's sort of my thing. Mm hmm. What do you mean when you say Western? Referring to the title of your article, um, what was the title again? Uh, um, I just had it up. <laughs> Let me look it up really quick. You're on my website or what? Oh, no, it's just on a, I looked up uh, one of your, um, one of your see here okay okay yeah so what do you mean when you say western referring to the title of your article what makes western culture unique well that's a common term it really means uh, the culture that emanated from or originated and developed in western europe uh, beginning Usually thought of as beginning with the Greeks and the Romans, and then 
medieval Christianity uh, into the Enlightenment, into the uh, modern era, and uh, that that's, you know, it's a common term. Even people who don't like the West uh, use that term. Uh, you see a lot of books. Uh, I, I reviewed a book called uh, why is Western cult? Why is Western civilization unique? Well, the idea is that there is a that West is a specific civilization. Like Chinese have a civilization, India has a civilization, or sort of Muslim civilization, or Arab civilization. Well, the, the uh, Western civilization is a civilization of historic Europe, and um, you know that that's really what it is. What are some examples of Western uniqueness. Western what? Uniqueness. Yeah, what? I'm sorry, I missed the word. Western what? Uniqueness. Uniqueness. Oh, um, well, yeah, in that article, I talk about uh, various uh, things. Um, uh, the idea is that Western culture um, really has two... I've really actually changed my views since that, that article a little bit, but... Um, the main strand, especially as we see it now, since about the 17th century, is um, based on on these these um, Northern European hunter gatherers. It's a very specific kind of culture. Uh, one of the things about it is uh, a strong commitment to, to the uh, the um, nuclear family that is mom, dad, and the kids. You, you look around the world; it's not very common. And the only the only kinds of uh, cultures that have that are at the hunter-gatherer level. When you go to clan-type societies, you tend to have extended families, you tend to have uh, polygyny, you know, many, a, a man having several wives. European culture is based on monogamy, and it's sort of unique, and in, in the, um, the, so that's one of the, the traits I mentioned, actually. If you look at the advanced civilizations of the world, like China, the Emperor of China would have hundreds of concubines, hundreds of wives, and so on. You look at India the same way, look at Africa the same way, look at the Arab cultures. All, all polygynous, uh, wealthy males would have many wives, but not, not in Europe. So in Europe, there were some other forces going on. And one of them that, that I emphasized there, I emphasized two things in that particular article, but, but one is the history as a northern hunter-gatherer. When you're in the north and you have a sort of scarcity culture, you know, and in winter and all that, it's very difficult to sort of eke out a living. You can't have, one, one man can't support two women and their children. It just ain't going to happen. And so there's a, a tendency towards monogamy in that culture. And, and, and then that culture persisted longer in Europe than other areas because they were in this very difficult ecological situation, very hard to farm it and stuff like that. In China, for example, you had the big, the big rivers and they had rice crops, and it was fairly easy to develop a, a much higher level of civilization earlier. Uh, so these, these hunter-gatherer culture lasted a very long time in Europe. And produce like these things like monogamy, this this this, this nuclear family organization, um, and it, it's sort of different ways of organizing. What what I call individualism is, is very characteristic of Europe, and once again, it's unique. You don't see individualism in other parts of the world. I mean, I I study the Jewish society a lot, very collectivist. That is, uh, you know, it's based on extended kinship and a sort of sense of the group. Well, Westerners are sort of individualistic. You know, they're 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 um, uh, much less bound to kinship groups, for example, historically. Much and, and here the capitalism, the classic example. Everybody's sort of out there trying to maximize their profits and so on. You don't have a sense of a, a sort of corporate culture there, 
Uh, capitalism is a real expression of Western individualism. Protestantism is. That's why I emphasize the, the modern developments is sort of getting back to the roots of European culture as a northern hunter-gatherer uh, society based on individualism, monogamy, this nuclear family organization. And it's very unique. I mean, again, you, you can find some examples sort of like it, but they're, they're, they're still at the hunter-gatherer level. That is like Eskimos or something there. They're, they're, you know, going from hand to mouth. They're not really powerful cultures. But the West developed, you know, in this individualistic direction. Uh, we're able to, to uh, they, they didn't really go through a strong uh, clan organization. If you look at the Germanic tribes way back, um, you, know, you know, say the 4th, 3rd century, they're fighting the Romans. It was based on military prowess. It was not based on kinship groups. You know, if you were really good at leading soldiers... You were the leader. It didn't matter what your kinship group was and anything else. And if you were a young man, you would pledge your fealty to this guy because that was how you succeeded in life. But it was not based on kinship. So Western culture is much more based on individualism, lack of biological relatedness, and so on. And, and that I think that produced a very powerful culture. Uh, but it, it's, it's very weak now because, uh, you, you know, individualism... It sort of means that we're not so inclined to cooperate. We're not very cohesive, and it's easy to find uh, to find disagreements and splits among us. And so, uh, it's hard to get us on page with anything. Who decides when Western culture is unique, and what do you mean when you say unique? Well, mean, meaning you just don't see these things in other parts of the uh, world. Uh, there's a book that uh, recently came out by Ricardo Duchesne, a sociologist at the University, I think, in New Brunswick in Canada. Sociologist, uh, he called it, it's called The Uniqueness of Western Civilization. Um, and I, I think everybody understands that, that there is this uniqueness. Uh, uh, and, and it really boils down to individualism. You know, and you have to think about all the, cult, the cultural aspects of individualism. I, I mentioned... The you know monogamy, the the uh, the uh, nuclear family, and a tendency towards non-despotic social organizations. A strong, relatively speaking, I know this is going to sound odd to you, but uh, strong egalitarian tendencies in certain uh, components of Western culture. And by the way, one of the things that I have really uh, stressed is that the other strand of Western culture is is also a, a form of individualism, but it's very uh, hierarchical and despotic and uh, cruel, really, and evil. And I, I, I uh, this sort of um, aristocratic Indo-European culture, very elitist, very hierarchical, but that culture was basically overthrown by the upheavals of the 17th and 18th centuries. Uh, the, the English uh, Civil War, the French Revolution, uh, the American Civil War was basically the South against the North. The South was this, into this classic hierarchical, elitist, despotic culture that came out of that, and it was opposed by the northern culture, which was basically egalitarian, hunter-gatherer, much more egalitarian, uh, prone to these moral crusades and so on. Uh, and that is the culture that we inherited now in the 20th century. So the Western culture is unique. I mean, again, I don't think anyone would dispute that. Uh, and again, it revolves ultimately around individualism, or maybe more than one variant of individualism is important. but. Ultimately, it's going to come down to that. And, and um, again, I, I, if you look at 
books that are written with that title. I mean, it's not just me, uh, Ricardo Duchesne. I have, I have a review if you go to my website, and uh, it's got papers um, uh, on Western culture and so on. And in that, you'll see my review of Ricardo Duchesne's book, The Uniqueness of Western Civilization. And, you know, it's a really good book, a very important book. Uh, and, and he uh, defends, because right now, again, you, I understand where you're coming from. You have the idea that white people run everything and all of that. But if you look at the academic world now, Western culture, Western civilizations is under siege. You look at, at Ricardo Duchesne's book, and there's all these, these history professors and so on. They want to denigrate Western culture. They want to say that it borrowed all their ideas from the Arabs or from China, or they imported all their ideas from Africa or something like that. Well, you know, at this point, uh, the idea of Western uniqueness is under siege to some extent. But, you know, again, this is the culture of the left. This is the part of the academic culture that I was talking about. It's anti-white. It's the only way you can understand it. The... the uh, uh, but that doesn't mean, and, and again, going back, I mean, no other culture has been individualistic in this way. We just don't see it anywhere. Uh, and um, at least not at that, that got to the level of an advanced civilization. Again, you see, do see hunter-gatherer bands who are like that, that are like that, but you don't see advanced civilizations that are individualistic, except for Western civilization. Um, I'm going to move forward, but I, I, I just want to just point this out that you do not answer my question about, um, who decides when Western culture is unique. Um, I'm, you know, well, it, it, this forward. is a scientific question like anything else where you have a community of people who are looking at this and l looking at other cultures and trying to see. Well, what, you know, the thing about Western culture, you have to think that there's something unique about it, because here it is, you have this little backwater on the peninsula of Europe, accounting for a very tiny percentage of the world's Earth's surface. And we're just talking about Western Europe here, is really the, 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 the origin of all this energy. Something happened in Western Europe, where all of a sudden they went exploring the rest of the world, they, they had colonized all these areas, they did slavery and the whole thing, I mean... This was unique. No other culture did this. So something's unique about it. And the question is what? So it's a big intellectual question. But I think every, any, any reasonable student of the West and what happened, what made us unique, has to come down to individualism. And uh, again, I think there's more than one form of it. And I'm not apologizing for any of this. What all I'm saying is this is what happened and no other culture did it. Here's the thing about China. I mean, China... They often want to compare China and the West because China was more advanced in a lot of ways than the West was. You know, they had this easy supply of rice. They could have two crops a year, whereas wheat and stuff like that, very difficult to, to do that kind of thing. And so they're a much bigger agricultural base in China for a long time. You had this huge civilization. But it never went out exploring the rest of the world. It never made all this, uh, it never made the transition to the Industrial Revolution. It never did all this. Uh, colonialism in faraway places and and all that it just never did that so the question is why I mean it's a huge intellectual issue the hard part is to really examine that honestly and again I recommend the book by Ricardo Duchesne the called which is titled the, the uniqueness of Western civilization it just came out in 2012 and I, you know again if you want to get into those issues 
and see uh, where people are at on that, that's where I would recommend you start. Something is unique about the West. You know, they didn't, they didn't go out from Africa and, and explore the rest of the world and enslave everybody uh, or, or colonize everybody or export their, you know, exploit their minerals or whatever it was. Something was unique about the West. You have to have a theory about that in order to make sense of the world. So what is your theory? I give you my theory. What is your theory? You can't deny that there's a uniqueness there. It's just uh, that that can't be denied. Whoops, sorry about that. My mute button was acting up. Um, what are some of the ways of how you help the efforts of white women practicing racism? Well, one of the things about that is troubling to uh, people like me uh, in the movement is there are very few, very few women who are involved. I mean, you can count them on your fingernail. Um, you go to a conference, uh, whenever I go to conferences with people like me, uh, it's rare to see to see women, and when you do see them, they're usually somebody's wife uh, or girlfriend or something like that. And um, so women are not geared to this kind of thing. Women, uh, and, and there's interesting reasons, I think, why that is, but uh, simply not. And I mean, if you look at voting patterns, women are much more likely, say, to vote for Obama, vote, vote, vote Democrat, and so on, than, than men are. Um, and there, I think there are deep reasons for that. I think, you know, part of it has to do with women's greater empathy. They empathize with other people more. And so they, when they see people they think are suffering and so on, they're much more likely to, to uh, uh, want to help them. And so they, they, see, uh, they see the Democratic Party as helping people more. Um, when you have something like the, er the earthquake in Haiti, uh, you see a lot of white women wanting to adopt. And they, they, they feel sorry for, for those people. And uh, so, you know, with that mentality, it's hard to get them on page with me because I'm, I'm saying, you know, look, we have to be concerned about our interests. We have to think about the future. What, what's, what's the world going to be like when whites are a minority? Uh, are, are people going to victimize us because of these ancient hatreds? Uh, I mean, I can understand why a lot of blacks hate white people. <laughs> it's obvious. Uh, and so then the question is, why would a white person want to become a minority in a society where blacks have more power than whites? I mean, that would be insane, wouldn't it? Uh, in other words, you had to think in terms of interests. And uh, again, I don't apologize for slavery. I think the slavery was a, an outcropping, uh, an outgrowth of, of the, uh, you know, the, a really bad uh, aspect of Western culture that was basically overthrown by the Enlightenment and other areas. You know, basically is on its last legs now. It almost doesn't exist, but its last legs in the 19th century and um, in, in, uh, in the American South. And then... Uh, you know, the whole civil rights movement really destroying the remnants of it. So I, I, I'm not apologizing for that, but I'm just saying that, that whatever happened in the past, it doesn't mean that white people don't have interests going ahead. That they, they, they should band together. They should have a sense of their interests and a sense of their identity, or, or they'll, they'll, they'll lose. I mean, every group's always out compete individuals, and that, that's the problem with individualism. You know, individualism produces a great economy, and all that, but it, it uh, it's very relatively weak against uh, organized groups. And uh, yeah, I do a lot about us Jewish power. Well, Jews are very organized. I mean, these these groups are very effective. They got a lot of money, and so they pursue their interests very effectively. I, I wish we could do that better. <laughs> <laughs> 
in your opinion, what behaviors does the average non-white person do that works against your ideal vision for the world? Hmm. Well, I don't know what the average white non-white person. I think a lot of different kinds of non-white persons, but um, yeah, I do think that what are the biggest events? I think that um, phenomena is happening now is the fact that. American politics is becoming racialized, and, and you see in the Democratic Party a sort of coalition of non-whites. The Republican Party gets over 90% of its votes from white people. Uh, the Democratic Party uh, is uh, getting 80% of the non-white votes in the last election. I get at least that much in this election, because I think Romney and uh, Paul Ryan are, are just not viewed as uh, attractive to white people, to non-white people. I think they're going to really vote against them in droves. Um, so I, I, I just, I don't know about the average non-white, but, you know, pretty clearly uh, the racial battle lines are being drawn. And uh, in the future elections, uh, the Republican Party uh, is going to have to get 65, then 70. Every, every election since uh, the 80s, I suppose, uh, the percentage of the electorate that is white has been going down. Well, that means that the Republican Party has to get a greater and greater percentage of white people. And there's a ceiling for that because you have... White liberals who, uh, you know, they're living in gated communities and they got a lot of money and they don't care. Uh, and they want to feel good about themselves or whatever. Uh, and you got white people who are government workers and they like government unions. And that's also a Democratic Party thing. So I think the Republican Party is doomed. But the interesting thing is the racialization of American politics. That, that this is the consequence here. And uh, we're going to see a divided society, a society that's not happy, a society with a lot of anger in it. Uh, and I think you're already seeing that. And I even look at uh, Obamacare. I mean, I think, you know, if I was in Sweden or any of those places, you know, that enacted national health care, they did it back when those countries were homogeneously white. Now, I think a lot of white people are voting against their economic interests uh, by opposing Obamacare. And it's because they don't want to be in line with non-whites. They don't want to be contributing way more money and so on to these programs and the non-whites are. I mean, at this point, about half of Americans don't pay any income taxes and so on. Well, it's disproportionately non-white. So the people who are, are supporting these programs are white. I don't think they want to see that money going to all these uh, people who are not like themselves. And that's what happens in every multicultural society. It's not just America. Multicultural societies break down along ethnic racial lines. It just happens every time. And uh, we're no exception. It's going to get worse in the future. Welcome to the brave new world. I, I, sometimes I'm glad I'm old and I won't have to be around now all that much longer. It's going, to be, it's going to be brutal out there. In your opinion, what behavior does the average non-white person do that works for your ideal vision for the world? Works for it? Um, well, again, I, I think that there are fundamental conflicts of interest here, that, that non-white people see themselves as having different interests. That's why they're coalescing in the, in the Democratic Party. Uh, you're going to see, uh, you know, 90-95% of black people voting for Obama. And even if it wasn't Obama, going back to Kerry and the other Democrats, they, they you know, overwhelmingly supported those guys. So I, I think I, I see a, a clear uh, racial identity and a sense of racial interests uh, that, which explains why blacks say are on the left and so on. But um, I, I just don't know how to answer your question beyond that. You know, I, I see conflicts of interest. I don't see 
harmony. I don't see people pulling together. And I don't see that in the future. I see conflict. And I see greater conflict because they're going to be, the battle lines are going to be drawn even more clearly. I think what's going to be interesting is when the Republican Party realizes they cannot win an election anymore at the national level, when there's so many non-whites and they're all voting Democrat, they don't have a chance anymore. Then maybe white people are going to say to themselves, hmm, what are we going to do now? What, what's next? What do we do? Do we just let it happen or do we start to push back? Uh, we'll see what happens. Do you think white people are going to let President Obama be president again? Absolutely. I think I think Obama's going to win. I, I, um, he'll probably get about forty percent of the white vote, and he'll get eighty percent of the non-white vote, and that's enough. Yeah, Romney. Well, the the big number is that they say Romney has to get sixty-one percent of the white vote. Um, if he gets more than that, or sixty-one percent, he can win. Of course, it depends on the battleground states, but that, that was a number that Ronald Brownstein came out with, again, in his column, the National Journal, 61%. makes sense. And then you got to realize that, that, that when he counts white people, including Arabs and Jews and so on, that don't really identify as white. So it's really going to be like at least 65% of the European-derived population has got to vote for Romney or he's not going to win. And I, don't, and I don't think that is going to happen. Uh, so I think, I think he'll probably lose. I, th I think Republicans are correctly seen as the sort of mean guys party. You know, they, they want to, they're seen as cutting back on all these programs and um, whether it's, you know, entirely justified or not, that is the perception. And I think people want their programs, so they're going to vote Democrat. But I'll, again, I think 40%, the, the, you know, you think about 60% of white people are going to vote Republican. That's a landslide, you know, in terms of traditional thinking about elections. 60-40 is a landslide. But that is not going to be enough to swing the election in favor of the Republicans. Thank you for, thank you. yeah, thank you. And thank that you. will be all for now. Thank you. Gus, go ahead. We will hit the phone lines, uh, person that dialed in. Mini B, your line should be open. If you had a question for Professor Kevin McDonald. Hello, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Greetings, Steph, and everyone else, um, and the guests. I just had a, uh, a couple of questions, and I was wondering, does um, the professor consider himself a spokesperson? For white people, and are there other folks, uh, uh, folks, people, <laughs> a spokesman for white people that share his views? And what are their names? Who are they, and what are their names? Well, um, I, I would say, I, yeah, I don't consider myself a spokesman. I don't, I don't really have an official function or organization or anything like that, uh, but. There are other people. Jared Taylor, it comes to mind. I think Jared Taylor is very polished, very intellectual, a very smart guy. Um, he's he's been interviewed a lot, but you know his he, yeah. We talk about people who've been who've been uh, suffered because of, of what they believe in terms of, of racialism and stuff. Uh, he he's a Japanese translator, and and uh, the the um, Southern Poverty Law Center then um, notified the government that. 
uh, he was on a government site uh, which had a list of translators and all of a sudden his business uh, really went way down he, this is not a guy that was tenure so he's sort of out there and and uh, his business has suffered dramatically and uh, but he's a very very articulate spokesman far better than I am at, at, at speaking and and all that so um, and they're um, trying to think of other people I, you know, I would strongly recommend uh, Jared Taylor as a spokesperson for white people. He's the American Renaissance guy. Uh. Do you share the views of Jared Taylor? It's not coming through very. You're asking me, uh, what do I think about the white people on Stormfront? Is that what you're asking? I I ask. Can you? Is that better? Yeah, I, I can hear a little better, better now. Yeah. Go ahead. Do you share the views of the people, the white people on the uh, 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 the website Stormfront and Chimp Out? Yeah, I, I I don't really. Uh, I, I I try to avoid uh, Stormfront. Um, I think it has a, a sort of place, but you can see there, you know, there's this sort of, that's what I, I like about Jared Taylor. He's, he's very urbane, sophisticated, intellectual. He, he's got all of his facts together and so on. Um, Stormfront is, um, you know, it's, it's more people that don't have a lot of education. And, you know, the thing is when people don't have much education, they sort of form their ideas and they don't express them very um smoothly and in a very well-supported way and and so um i think that um that that's an issue but um you know i think in a lot of the cases these people are, are good people and, and they really are and, and they're trying to form a community and they have a huge numbers i mean it's one of the most popular websites in america i think um they're, they're going to have a conference soon and i've heard and uh, we'll see what happens with that what do white people mean when they say we want to take our country back? And um, are these, what's the difference between the so-called white, the elite, and the other whites that say the same thing? Yeah, well, um, white elites uh, don't talk that way. I mean... Uh I, it's again. It's hard. I mean, I was trying to think before. I mean, you think about white elites. You might think of Romney or the Republican Party or something, or uh, corporate uh, guys who run companies. But these people are totally on board with the whole multicultural thing. Uh, I mean, actually, you know, companies are a good example. You take the chairman of a big company. If he decides and comes out, in fact, that happened, didn't it? Uh, recently, the, the Chick Fil A guy. And now, it wasn't about race, but it was about uh, sexual orientation. He said something that the gay lobby didn't like. Well, a huge furor. Uh, and uh, he probably, you know, had trouble uh, with his job. And, and so, again, white elites in general are totally on board with uh, these ideas of not opposing multiculturalism, not opposing immigration. I have a very hard time seeing white elites as being on the side of white people. But I think there are, you know, there are a lot of people. Do you know who Michelle Bachman is? Michelle, yeah, yeah, I do. Is she considered, what makes a white person an elite white person? Is it money? 
Well, I, I would call. I would say Michelle Bachman is, is part of the white elite. She's she's a, a congresswoman. Um, but you know, you can't think of Michelle Bachman as someone who's advancing white interests. And I don't even think she has a white identity. I mean, she she's very religious. I think her whole identity comes from religion, and everything else is like secondary. So she. Um, She's, you know, I, I don't see... a white woman, congresswoman, who says, we want to take our country back. And that's interesting. Well, it could be that. I mean, I, it could be that she's what you call implicit white. I mean, that, that she really is talking that way. Um, and I think maybe that, you know, if she is, you know, more power to her. I think that, you know, I mean, I grew up in America. It was 90% white. And, I, and, and that was certainly in the interest of white people. But that, what that, by... Definition that means that becoming a minority is not in the interest of white people. And again, think about African societies, Ethiopia, um, Zimbabwe, whatever. They are black societies. Would anybody say, well, we should they, they should import millions of people so that African uh, black Africans in uh, Zimbabwe become a minority? No, that's against their interests. But nobody thinks of saying, well, it's against the interest of white people to become a minority in the United States. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I have just one last question. I have just one last question. Is it yeah. possible for white people to maintain or retain white power without mistreating non-white people? Well, I think so. I mean, uh, again, I, I, I do not apologize for the past. I mean, I, I think that bringing this whole slavery institution was just an incredible mistake and just a disaster for America that keeps resounding. And, uh, you know, it, it's part of this Indo-European elitist hierarchical strand of Western culture that uh, thankfully is gone because, you know, by the way, way before they had black slaves, they had white slaves. Okay, you look at indentured servants, you look at, I've been doing a lot of reading in English history, look at the Middle Ages, slavery was very common. This would not very nice society. There's no, there's no other kind of mistreatment than slavery, in your opinion. No, no, I'm not saying that. There's a lot of different kinds of, of mistreatment. But um, I think America, you know, 19... Uh, you know, when I was in, in college, I, I was 18 years old, 1962. I was very much on board with the civil rights thing. I, I think that was a blot on American history and, and that... Blacks uh, deserved uh, civil rights, voting rights, uh, and so on. Absolutely. Uh, and I still believe that. Um, but, you know, again, uh, blacks may find, I mean, I, if I was black, I would oppose Im this immigration thing, too, because blacks tend to be, you know, they look, even in California, they look at Mexicans. Mexicans uh, are overachieving compared to blacks on every possible indicator. Asians are, in, are overachieving compared to blacks on every indicator. Therefore, my view would be blacks should, have, should just intensely oppose all this immigration. They've been crowded out of the labor market. So, but they don't. How, but my question is, how will white, if, if you're uh, if listening to you, how will white people maintain or retain white power, white control, without mistreating non-white people? Well, the, the main thing would be to restrict immigration, to prevent it, to stop it. And, and that would ensure white control, at least for a for longer. Uh, but this doesn't involve mistreating anybody. It doesn't mean that you're taking away their rights. And if the 1965 immigration law had not passed, this place, America would still be 90% white. 
And there's no reason at all to think that you wouldn't have had the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement happened when America was 90% white. Uh, you know, it, it, there was a, the idea that somehow uh, white, whites couldn't be in control and not mistreat other people is simply incorrect. Uh, and again, I, you go to other parts of the world and uh, minorities are, are not treated anywhere near as well as, as white people have treated uh, blacks since 1965 or so. So I, I think that, um, you know, I think that it's a brave new world for everybody. But any, any minority, especially when they are not you know, upwardly mobile and so on, you're going to be, you know, you're going to have to hope that there's a benign uh, coalition and ruler at the top. And, and I'm just not, as a white person, I'm not going to trust what the future is going to be like in 50 years in this country. I think that the whites are going to be a persecuted minority. But we'll see. But it, but you Hang on, Minnie B. I want to make sure we get time to get oh, okay. to some of the other callers. Cool. Um, person. You. No worries. Person that dialed in six, uh, excuse me, eight six five eight eight six five eight. Did you have a question for Professor McDonald? Yeah, um, guys, this is Mike in Michigan. How you doing? Victim Um, me too. Uh, I had a whole set of other questions for the doctor, but I want to ask him um, a couple of questions, and I'm, I'm gonna be quick. I'm gonna ask a question, and then I'm going to. Uh, Mixed state, and I want to hear what the doctor, what the good doctor has to say about it. The great thing about having a doctor is uh, we can ask him some questions. And that's where you're supposed to go. You're supposed to go to the kitchen place. Okay, first thing, uh, Doctor McDonald, uh, you you said that the Republican Party does not represent white interests. Now, I just have one basic question for you: Who? What racial what racial group uh, has uh, has the leadership role in the Republican Party? White people then. Okay, but that doesn't mean that they're but that doesn't mean that they're advancing white interests. Oh, okay. All right. Second question: Who sets what racial group sets the agenda for the Republican Party? White people do. Okay, and then. Uh, what racial group makes up the majority of the membership of the Republican Party? They get 90% of the votes from white people. Okay. Now, here's another thing. Some of your uh, your colleagues in your field, they have criticized some of your work. Uh, this is just a statement. I want to hear what you have to say about this. Some people have, they have criticized some of your work as being as, quote-unquote, pseudo-scientific theorizing. Also, a leading panel uh, of your peers, the Human Behavior and Evolution Society, uh, criticized some of your work as being substandard. Also, they also say that the inherent fallacy in McDonald's work rests in the epistemology of white supremacy. The epistemology of white supremacy is, as Charles W. Mills has noted, an inverted epistemology and epistemology of ignorance which produces the ironic outcome that whites in general are unable to understand the worlds that they themselves have made. In many ways, this epistemology of ignorance is at the center of the conundrum around McDonald's work. It seems clear that his work's work rests on epistemology of ignorance, as so many of his peers have said, including John Hartung, the associate editor of the Journal of Neur Neurosurgical 
anesthesiology and associate professor of anesthesiology at the State University of New York, who said his work is quite disturbing, seriously misinformed. So what do you think about that statement that some of your colleagues made about you? Well, uh, you're talking about the Human Behavior and Evolution Society. As far as I know, they never released an official statement about me. Where'd you get that? Uh, it's out here. I just want, I just wonder what your what your thoughts is that true? Well, my, my thoughts are that you know I, I was an officer of the Human Behavioral Evolution Society. I was a secretary, archivist, mm -hmm. and um, then uh, they they started there started to be a movement against me. A couple of Jewish people, and then there was a big. Um, meeting at the, at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, went at the meetings uh, there, uh, and, um, you know, it, it came out, and, and, and people discussed it, and uh, went home, but that was it. I've never heard of this Middleton guy, uh, the Human Behavior Evolution Society has never released a formal statement about me. Uh, John Hartung, John Hartung is interesting, because he, if you look at my first book, I cite him quite a bit, he was really into this Jewish stuff, and, and um, he, uh, I cited because he uh, really took the, an evolutionary point of view about Judaism. I cited some of his stuff, uh, but then yeah, I think he he uh, backed down. Uh, but I I would like to hear what he has to say now. You know, I, and again, um, it's not hard to find somebody that'll throw the word pseudoscience out at you. I want to see a good critique. You know, I've written okay. three books. Not one, not one has been subjected. To an honest, I have on my website. You go to my website, and I have one page is about my books, but another one has reviews, and and uh, all so I have all the reviews listed there. And whenever there's a, re a negative review, I have replied to it. And the reality is, the reality is that nobody has has really criticized the most important book that I've written. That is the culture of critique. There's been like one review, and that was very positive, by the way. So hey, this is just nonsense. Uh, your critics said that you would answer just the way you did. They said whenever anybody disagrees with you, what you do is you go around and find people who, who agrees with your findings, and then people. No, I, what, what I said. Is you'll go and agree with their findings in order to give your work some credibility. Um, I just no, what, what, I, what I said is that I have refuted these charges. I mean, I, I've gone and, and, and it's not like I ignore criticism. I every time I have gone after it. Now you can't say that they've they've just sort of destroyed all my arguments. What's give you give me one specific argument that's an important argument in any of my books, and and you tell me what's wrong with it. Well, I know you can't. That's the problem. So people can throw these things out, and it really irritates me. No, that's why I asked the question because I want to hear what you had to say about that's not. I told you what I had to say. I have responded to every critic, and you can go to my website, including the history department of the university that I work at. I have responded. So if anybody, so if, so if anybody disagrees with you and they can prove it, that will you back down? Absolutely. Show me what's wrong. Okay. Now I do have one more quick question, and I'm, I'm gonna mute my line. Do you think that the presidential election is rigged? No. And can you give examples? Because I just want to hear what you think. I don't know. You know, I, I you hear, you see, I'm not a conspiracy kind of guy, but. You know, people do say, you know, that uh, they have these voting machines now. I think there's a little more suspicion about it. And going in the future, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I, I, There were some reliable, some things said about, say, Florida, I think, and Ohio with the voting machines. Yeah. 
And I, I think, you know, it, it could have been. It could have been. Hang tight, hang tight, hang tight, hang tight, hang tight. I want to make sure I get to some of the other folks that dialed in as well. We have time. I'll see if we can get back to your question, uh, 8658. Uh, person that dialed in, 4517, 4517. Did you have a question for Professor McDonald? Yeah, thank you. Um, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. I just want to know what your criterion is for, you, you had referred to Jews as not being white, so I just want to know why you, you uh, I guess, do not accept them as being white people, and what is your criterion for so-called Jews, um, or what, what's your criterion for white people in general, or why do you not accept Jews as being white people? That's, that's a good question. I, I, the reason I do that is because Jews don't identify as white people. That is, if you look at it racially, uh, you can make the argument. I mean, uh, Jews are maybe 35% uh, European genes, uh, but most of their genes are actually from the Middle East. I mean, the population genetic uh, data are very clear that uh, the Jewish groups uh, have a common Middle Eastern ancestry. They're not really European, but there's been a certain amount of genetic admixture, and they speak European language and so on. But they don't, the point is, though, they don't identify as white. That is, they see European civilization as an oppressive, uh, anti-Jewish, of uh, the pogroms and all that, leading up to the Holocaust. They, that their view is that European Christian culture is inherently evil. And so they don't really identify as white. So I, it's hard to classify them as whites, uh, um, you know, when they don't, they don't think of themselves as white. Let's see what I mean. Oh, okay, I understand your answer. That's fine. Thanks. Cool. Uh, believe this is Pam, Trojan Horse, Death of a Dark Nation. Pam, your line should be open. Uh, good evening, everyone. Um, to your guest, uh, to you, Gus, and Justice, and all the other callers on the line. Uh, I just had two quick questions um, for your guest. Um, since white people control, I want to know if you agree with this statement that white people control all the institutions and systems in America, including who works and who doesn't including the black people in California who don't work, uh, who was brought into this country and exploited by white employers, talking about the uh, immigrants, and why African slaves were imported here 400 years ago to give 400 years of, of free labor. And I just want to know if you agree that white people control all the institutions in America. Well, again, <clears throat> I, 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 there are differences here and uh, the, the, between... White people controlling institutions. I mean, again, the, the paradigm would be something like the Republican Party. I have no question that they control the Republican Party. But they're not, in the year 2012, they are not advancing white interests. They don't do anything about immigration, et cetera. And I agree, you know, the sins of the past are, you know, they're palpable. And, um, oh, you know, I'm not. Go ahead, go ahead. Probably. But, uh, you go know, I, and I, I agree that there, there's been. Uh, um, People, you know, there have been oppression of various kinds, slavery and so on. I, you know, it's been a disaster. But going I, ahead. What I'm asking is, I'm asking currently, currently do white people control all the institutions? Well, you, you know, one, one of the things that, that, oh, that well, let I... Me finish the Please, let me finish the question. Okay. Let me finish yeah. the question. Who works and who doesn't? Who was brought into this country in the year 2012? The people who are, immig who, who are brought over here on the uh, H-1B visa programs, the people who are hired by white people. Do white people control that? I'm talking well, about what's happened in the year 2012. Yeah, I understand. What what I, what I'd, like to, I'd like to say that, that you can't understand American elites without talking about Jewish power. You took a look at the media. The great majority of the media is owned by, by Jews. 
uh, you look at our foreign policy, would you say the white Americans uh, dominate American foreign policy? I would say the Jewish lobby dominates American foreign policy. That's why we fought the war in Iraq. That's why we're about to fight a war with Iran. It's very clear. So white people do not run all the, the important institutions of this country anymore. I wouldn't say that at all. Okay, um, so let me ask you this then. If, if you're saying that, then your problem, if, uh, let me ask you this, is your problem then with Jews and not with non-whites? So well, absolutely, as... much more with Jews. I, I, if you look at all the stuff I've written, I've written like one half of one percent on anybody, uh, on, on, say, blacks. I don't deal with that. What I deal with is Jewish power, and we have to understand it. it this is an elite in this country. And uh, if you don't understand where the power is now, you just, you know, Shell and Adelson giving $100 million to the, to the Republicans. Well, he expects something back from that. Shell and Adelson is Jewish. And he, what he wants is to, is to further Israeli, uh, the, the Israeli interests in America. You have other, you know, big-time Jewish, you know, mil billionaires, millionaires. They are funding all these different things. Uh, but uh, people have said it like 75% or so of the Democratic Party funding comes from Jews. Probably half, uh, at least now, probably more than that, the Republican Party comes from Jews. So when you talk about white elites, you have to think about Jews. And Jews do not identify as whites. They think of uh, themselves as a persecuted minority. And they have, you know, used their influence to basically advance their interests in a non-white America. I don't think blacks have really benefited, or at least they won't in the future. Uh, uh, they, they're not going to benefit from the changes that are being made. If I was black, I would be opposing all this immigration. You got all these Asians coming in. They're dominating our universities. I'm in California here. Asians are overrepresented in, in all our universities. Blacks, the only way they're going to get into that kind of, to the, to the, to a level that matches their percentage of the population is affirmative action. And then you got white people in the middle. White people are underrepresented at the University of California. Black people probably so are, that too. the educational system is responsible for black people not being the inferior educational system and the systematic undereducation and miseducation of black students all across the country are responsible for the, the underrepresentation. Well, that, that, that's, that, that's one theory, but... Uh, Whatever yeah, it is, whatever it is, whatever it is, black people obviously are underachieving when it comes to education. And so the it only way they can... White people control institutions of education, that that's more of a reflection of white people than it is of black students. Well, again, if you look at the University of California, what, what group is underrepresented, according to the population? Whites. So you go to Harvard, 25% Jewish, uh, a very large percentage of uh, non-whites and international students white non-Jewish Americans are underrepresented. So we are, non-Jewish white people are becoming, uh, and for quite a while now, are being underrepresented in the most elite institutions. Look at the media. Who owns the media? Who runs the media? Look at Hollywood. Try to find a, a studio that's owned by a non-Jewish white guy. A, a, a major producer that doesn't at least totally uh, interact with, with Jewish producers because they, they obviously, everybody knows it, they, they dominate Hollywood. So you can't say white people dominate Hollywood. Jews dominate Hollywood. And, and uh, you have to realize uh, that, that, you know, it's just it's, it's a misnomer. If you're trying to find who really runs this country, who the elites are, you know, you have to take account of Jewish influence in all of the high points of the society. 
Again, you cannot talk about American foreign policy until you talk about the Israel lobby. It's not, I mean, it's, it, it, the war in Iraq was inconceivable without the pressure, pressure of the neocons and the promotion and all their, all their influence in the media and all that. And now we're about to have a war with Iran. I think they're blackmailing Obama. And by the way, I really like Obama. Uh, his stance on, on uh, Iran, I think he's standing up to the Israel lobby as best he can. But he's under extraordinary pressure. A lot of people think that Netanyahu wants to start <clears throat> a war with Iran before the election to put Obama in an impossible situation <clears throat> where he has to help Israel or Romney will be all over it. Um, and use that to his advantage. So, yeah, we, we have to look at what the elites really are here. Uh, uh, last it, question. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I just want to give other people a chance. Last question. What then, considering what you've laid out, what to you should be the final solution for white people to take their country back? What is it that your, your group or people who think like you think should be done to solve this problem once and for all? Well, once and for all, and then things are never solved once and for all. I and mean, people thought with the 1924 immigration law that things were solved once and for all, but then it was reversed. Uh, the first thing is to take control of immigration and, and to just stop immigration. I mean, what's ludicrous right now is you have an economy that's not creating jobs as fast as the population is growing. But does anyone say, hey, we better stop immigration? No, nobody says that because that's the third rail. You don't want to be called a Nazi. So they keep importing people. Uh, beyond the, the capacity of the economy to grow jobs, and things get worse and worse and worse. It, it, so, yeah, we have to take, the first thing we have to control is immigration. That is the beginning and the end, really, of what white people have to do. And if they could do that, they, they could at least extend their, their position for a while. But um, they're not going to do it, as far as I can see. And, you know, again, if you think white people run the country, then why are white people, why do we, these, these white people decide that they want to become a minority? Well, you know, it just doesn't, it, 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 it best, you know, most white people are opposed to all this immigration, but it doesn't matter because the elites want it. And that's how this country is run, with elites. Whether it's business elites, but also these ethnic elites, and especially the Jewish lobby. They, they want immigration for their own reasons. Thank you for answering my question. Thank you. Person that dialed in from a block number. Did you have a question for Professor McDonald? Uh, greetings. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Thank you. You know, um, to, to, to you, doctor, what you just said, you said, why would white people want to become a minority? I, did have a, I do have another question also, but I was just thinking what you just said. You said, why would white people want to become a minority if they're, you know, in the interest of white people? And it just seemed to me that white people have always been a minority. And you talk about the uniqueness of white people. Maybe that you need that type of environment. Um, maybe white people are planning for you to be in that type of environment so you can express your uniqueness. Hold it. I mean, white people were 90% of America until the immigration law of 1965. If you go to European cultures, they were 100% white for, for thousands of years. They've not been a minority. What do you mean? They've not been. I'm saying the world minority. Oh, a world minority, sure, but the politics doesn't run on the terms of the world. They run in terms of particular countries. Uh, and if you look at the white percentage of the world, I think if you a hundred years ago whites were, I forget, but they've gone down, and now they're like eight percent. So I mean, yeah, we are a minority in, in the world, and we're getting smaller and smaller. 
That's another issue. I mean, you know, why why should we? Uh, whereas if you look at, I mean, if, if I'm black, I'm kind of happy because the African population is exploding. Blacks are reproducing way more than whites in this country. So they're, you know, I mean, white people are the ones who are, you know, on the under the gun. I think right now. And again, you know, yeah, if you I look at. Go ahead. Well, I was trying to get at is that, uh, like I said, you've all, white people have always been a minority. Um, would you consider that white people, um, like I'm a black male, and the reason why I'm a black male is because that's I've been um, categorized as black male by by powerful white people. I mean, I'm not my, I'm not black, you know what I mean. So I'm just thinking, do you think that your definition of white is not the definition of white that? Um, more powerful white people have, and they just, you just have your own definition and your own worldview that uh, conflicts with people that consider themselves to be the real white people? I don't know exactly what you're saying there, but I, I think, um, you know, I believe in the reality of race. I mean, I think that, that Europeans uh, who can trace their ancestors back to Europe, uh, say before, you know, 1492. Uh, are white people, you know, then, and um, now if they have some admixture, then there's admixture. And how you categorize people with admixture is a social construct. I mean, you could, uh, you know, have all kinds of different ways of categorizing. And it could be that the one drop rule is, is uh, an aspect of, you know, white supremacy at the time when, when those practices were developed. But those are social constructions. You could change them if you wanted, uh, and um, it, it's possible that they would change in the future. I don't know. I mean, I think now the census is, is developing categories where they talk about people who are more than one race because there's a lot of people now who are more than one race. Yeah, I remember uh, you said that, you know, that you don't really talk about black people, you know, in your writings or whatnot, and I kind of felt... Uh, that that was like because you don't see them as a threat. And well, it's just that I specialize in Jewish stuff, I, and I, you know, Jews are complicated enough. Um, there are people who specialize more in that. I, I, I've never written anything academic on black people. I don't. I've never done a study on race and IQ or anything like that. Uh, so I, I tend to want to avoid topics that I don't feel that I'm an expert on. I, it's just not something I feel comfortable with. But I, you know, at the same time, I, I do take. Go ahead. I think I think it would make sense that you didn't see black people as a as a as a, as a threat, really. And I was just thinking that the more powerful white people that are in control, these concerns that you bring up, they don't. Let me ask you this: Do you think that they have the power to? Um, do you think they have the power to, to to get either get the non-white people out of the country whenever they please, or if they don't want to leave, do you think that they have the power to? Uh, you know, destroy or eliminate those, these these uh, non-white people in the United States. Well, if, if they, uh, you know, who knows about the future? I mean, they're, they're, I mean, do you think they the, have the power right now? No, oh, well, not right now. I mean, you'd have to. I mean, you know, in a sort of abstract theoretical sense. Well, if all the white people got on page and did decide to do this, but that's totally abstract. I mean, <clears throat> history, I mean, I just don't uh, see that they. Your concerns, they might not be. Uh, they're, they're not concerned. on board. They might they're just mean, see the the immigration as I can. We can get rid of these people anytime we want, and I think that I think that they could. Actually. I don't think so. I I really don't think that's what's going on. You have apathy, and you have people who love multiculturalism, and, 
and uh, and all that. The media is constantly the the message is that multicultural is wonderful and immigration is wonderful, and and that's what a lot of white people believe now. And and uh, I think they're wrong about it and silly and really sort of short sighted, but that, that's what they believe. I, I don't see you know the, the idea that they. So. Well, maybe. I think but just I, whatever. You can you can you can you name any white people? Who have expressed that idea in, in writing that we're going to wait, we have the power and we can do this anytime. I just, I'm, <laughs> I'm a white person. Yeah. I don't talk to white people like this. I don't know anybody that says talks that way. Uh, 909, hang tight. I wanted to make sure we could snag one of our other callers. We also had a written question in. Uh, caller emailed their question. They wanted to know back from the first hour of the program when we were talking about white people and if they encounter problems as a result of being proud about their support of the white race uh, their question is does Doc, uh, Professor McDonald your assertion does that cover people like Rush Limbaugh Sean Hannity, Bill O'Reilly etc who write books and expound their proud white views have any of these white people suffered harm or loss of status that was their question not one of those people have ever expressed explicitly white racialist views at best and I, I my view is that they are in fact all of them are implicitly white i think i listen to rush limbaugh sometimes you know he definitely will go on themes that he thinks that will appeal to white people illegal immigration i think that that's a you know but these people i'd like to see passages where any of those guys explicitly say i'm a white guy i want to keep america white i, I all this white pride he'd be, they'd be out of their job tomorrow if they talked that way Pat Buchanan, I mean, Death of the West doesn't count. Pat Buchanan is a great example. He lost his job at MSNBC, didn't he? Yeah, and, and uh, oh, sorry. go ahead, go ahead. And it's another great example of Pat Buchanan. Uh, it's amazing. It always amazed me how long he kept his job. I think what happened with him is that he he was a very prominent guy in the Reagan administration, going back to the Nixon administration. Well, if the guy's really prominent, it's hard to just throw him out. And so then he started around 1990. He started talking about Jewish stuff, and and then he talked about immigration a lot, and and uh, you know the uh, decline and fall of Western civilization in America, and and then you know people just uh, finally he lacked enough support, and they they fired him. And MSNBC is this radical liberal station. I don't know how he ever stayed on as long as he did, but he did. And uh, but eventually, of course, they axed him. But yeah, I mean, this is palpable. The people who are um, there's no way that any of those guys have ever expressed any explicit white identity kind of stuff like like I do, uh, or Jared Taylor does. And if they did, they'd be gone tomorrow. Okay, I just wanted to clear, number one for our listeners. Uh, I'm told uh, Mr. Buchanan is regular on Fox News Network. Transferred. We've heard that before. And also, I just wanted a quick yes or no so I can get the next caller. Are you saying that? Death of the West, Pat Buchanan's book, that does not count as explicit expression of white pride? Well, he's concerned about the decline of the West, yes, and that's why he, he's had so much trouble. Okay, cool. I mean, he's the MSNBC thing. He is, I guess he, sometimes he's on Fox now. That uh, I, Again, I, I'm really surprised at that. Uh, he's the exception, uh, if, if, it, if it exists <laughs> at all. I mean, when I, 20 years ago, I read Pat Buchanan in the LA Times, Colin Wright. He was all over now his column is on. What does he have? A World uh, Creator Syndicate, and it's he's on got his own, He's got his own website, and he's still on Fox. Well, yeah, of course, anybody can have a website. Um, but look, he's he's his his horizons. I think he's also on the the Capital Gang. The thing is, when somebody's really prominent, 
it's hard to just throw him out. And and he uh, he you know he he was he really was an important guy. Uh, he, he was high up in the Reagan administration and the Nixon administration, and so he had some street cred with the, with the media and a long history of being a columnist. I mean, he's quite a guy. Indeed. Uh, Skype caller, your line should be open. Did you have a question for Professor McDonald? Hi, yes. Hi, Mr. McDonald. I have a quick question. Do you have any contacts or are you affiliated with any other white Europeans in Europe who are who have the same position as, as you in their residing European country? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've met a number um, who are involved over there. And, you know, once again, over there, you have these parties that are trying to limit immigration, and they're getting maybe 25% of the vote. They are way more successful than we are over here. So my, my whole, I don't really hold, hold much hope for America turning around, but European societies where you have a 35,000-year history of white people there, they uh, have much more sense of tradition, and I think that they may turn it around, but again, huge opposition from elites. And the European Union does not want this. They want they want to maximize immigration. They want multiculturalism and so on. But um, you do see these parties um, in France. You have Marine Le Pen and the National Front, and the Greek uh, Golden Dawn Party made a big hit. And Hungary is probably the most advanced. But there's also parties in Sweden and the Netherlands and so on. I, I'm familiar. With, I, I met a few of these people. And do those particular European countries also face the problem that you stated in regards to the Jewish problem that most whites have in terms of controlling their society and dominating control within their society? Well, there's no question there's an important Jewish influence over there uh, in, quite a, in, in most of those societies. I think less so maybe in Hungary. Um, but in general, again, we have these elites uh, that are running the policy. Uh, the European Union is not a democratic organization, and the policies really run from Brussels, and they have this uh, multicultural ideology that they're really sort of imposing on the rest of, uh, of Europe. And uh, as I said earlier in the show, uh, you have countries like England uh, that have been English forever and white, and they're going to they're gonna be non-white majority within this century. So... Uh, that's an amazing phenomenon, and I, I don't see that going on in Africa. I don't see that going on in Japan or China or anywhere else except European white societies are under the gun. So we'll see what happens. And my last question would be, uh, you made a statement that um, black people are producing more children than white people. How is that possible if the census number states that blacks have a lower population count here in the U.S.? No, I mean, I mean the population. American. Yeah, I mean the population rate. I mean they're having more children per woman than than white women are. Not, much, I mean, the black fertility isn't all that high, but it, it's it's higher than whites, and the Hispanic is of course higher than whites also. Thank you for answering my question. Okay. Uh, non muddy wick. Do you have a question? So this is seven. We're seven o'clock here, so I, I have to get going. I think. Uh, Do you have time for a last question? Okay, one more. All right. Uh, now, Mighty Wick, your line should be open. Uh, thank you. Uh, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes? Okay, great. Uh, doctor, um, I just want to understand your views uh, a bit better. Is it, is it that you, you feel or that uh, white supremacy uh, was established uh, at one point in time, uh, was in existence, and uh, 
at, at, I guess at present ceases to be in existence. Um, is that is that accurate? Well, again, it's easy to make an argument that white people dominate the country. You know, you look at makeup of Congress or whatever. But again, the, what what's missing is a a sense of white interest and a sort of cohesive view of the future of white people in America or or other countries in, uh, of the West and Europe. Um, so they, asking, you, you, asking, again, uh, the, the paradigm is Republican just, Party. I'm just asking, uh, just real quick, I'm just saying, um, uh, do you believe that white people, at, at, I guess at any point in time, uh, dominated globally? Do you believe that? Well, yeah, if you go to 100 years ago, white people ran the world, no question. Okay. I mean, like, when would you say that that ceased to, to be the case? Well, it declined very rapidly after World War II, and then uh, that, that, you know, colonialism gradually ended, and then... By 1965, uh, you had the immigration law, and then followed, uh, amazingly, all all the Western countries changed their immigration policy in the 1960s and early 1970s, and I think that was really the beginning of the end, and uh, big, big, massive non-white immigration to all, all white countries beginning uh, around that time and uh, continuing into the present. Okay, and you mentioned uh, earlier in the program that you, you felt like, it, you know, it was going to get that the uh, the, bro, the brutality is going to increase. I think you're absolutely kind of glad 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 it's weren't going to be around. Can you kind of elaborate on that more, please? Well, I just think that that when when anybody you know, if you have a choice of being a majority or a minority, what would you pick? Obviously, a majority because when you're a majority, especially in democratic society, you can control, you can prevent yourself from being victimized. Uh, you can also, of course, victimize others, and that has happened. But if you have a choice, you don't want to become a minority. And white people are, be, are going to become a minority if things continue this way. And when that happens, they are going to be victimized. And there's a lot of historical grudges, blacks because of slavery, Jews because of the Holocaust and anti-Semitism throughout history, uh, Mexicans because of uh, whatever. I don't know what that would be, but uh, they, they, we took land away from Mexico or something. Look, um, these things uh, have happened, but it, it's suicidal for a, a group to voluntarily become a minority when a lot of the minorities hate them. The other, the other people hate them. You're going to be victimized. Yeah, it's going to be brutal. It's going to be tough. And, I, I, and that's why like I worry about, about the future for my children and, and people like me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you mind, like, I guess, uh, speaking a little bit on real quick just about the increased brutality that you feel that white people may do or need to do? Well, I, you know, nobody wants violence here. Nobody wants violence. This should be legislated. Uh, illegal immigrants should be deported, um, repatriated, uh, and people should voluntarily. And I'm not talking about blacks because blacks have been here. This is not about that. Blacks have been here for 400 years, and, and they ain't going anywhere. But all I'm saying is that um, white people have a huge interest in maintaining a majority, as any group would. Again, talk of think in terms of Korea. Would Korea would it make any sense for Korea to say, "Oh yeah, let's import 100 million Africans. Let's do that. We'd have multiculturalism." No, it'd be crazy to do that. They won't do that. But white people are expected to do that, and if they're not, they're evil, they're racist, yada yada. We got to get over that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for taking our last caller. Uh, as we sign out, I just wanted to ask really quick because you have written about this talked about this as well um that black people with a grudge against the white people for the histories of mistreatment have you personally 
uh, had any episodes, problems with a black person who you think had a grudge against white people? No. Mm. But, you know, when you really go to these websites, uh, uh, you know, black flash mobs and so on, there's a lot of victimization going on. And you look at, black, at crime rates, uh, black on white uh, assault, murder, and so on, far more common than the reverse. So it's happening now, but it's, it's you know, the, the people who do that are still being prosecuted and so on. When whites are a minority, I'm not sure they'll be prosecuted as much. Hmm. Are you familiar with Malik Shabazz and the New Black Panther Party? I think I've heard big. I don't know much about it. Sorry. Okay. Again, you can visit his uh, website if you want to check out some more of his writings, uh, books, what have you. Uh, You can visit KevinMcDonald.net. It's in the chat room. KevinMcDonald.net. You can also go to www.TheOccidentalObserver.net. Other people write there as well, but you can also get some of Professor McDonald's material there. Just go to the OccidentalObserver.net, and then you can just do a, a site search for Kevin McDonald, or I think he even has a tab on the main page. You can just click his name, and you'll get a listing of all of the articles that he's published on that site, the OccidentalObserver.net. Real pleasure to have you back on the program, Professor McDonald. Always enjoy hearing uh, your views, and we will continue to follow your research, uh, your efforts to uh, increase white pride, save the white race. Thank you so much for sharing some of your Sunday evening. Thank you. Yes, sir. We'll be in touch. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Context of white supremacy. Kevin McDonald, second visit with us here on the context of white supremacy. We will take a quick commercial break. And we will be right back. See if anybody has any any final thoughts before we wrap things up. Context of white supremacy. RacismDaily.com, your number one source for global news reports on race, racism, and overt actions of white supremacy. From Asia to the Americas to Europe to Australia to Africa, racism is not a thing of the past. It is our current reality. Be informed. Be globally informed. You should be the first to know. RacismDaily.com. RacismDaily.com RacismDaily.com Is racism hurting you? On issues of race, are you unable to speak, think, and act with clarity and confidence? Are you tired of laughing when nothing is funny, smiling when you are not happy, agreeing when you really disagree? Counterracism.com, you can learn specific strategies and techniques to counter the behaviors of the people who practice racism in all areas of activity. Using words correctly, following counter-racist logic, even counter-racist science projects designed to reveal what racism is, how it works, and how to counter it. The open source code writing format allows you to pick and choose from a variety of counter-racist suggestions so you can produce the code that works for you. Stop by counterracism.com today and help replace racism with justice. That's counter-racism.com. Do you need a one-stop shop for all of your multimedia needs? Triumphant Multimedia is a skilled team of professionals with a passion for great marketing and chic design. Our specialties include consulting, brand development, 
copywriting, and creative graphic design that's second to none. We also offer photography, photo retouching, videography, and video editing. At Triumphant Multimedia, our goal is to provide highly effective creative solutions built to suit any individual need or budget. Give us a call at 678-732-8067 or check us out online at trimultimedia.com. everyone welcome this is justice with the cows radio program if you want to learn about understand and counter racism white supremacy be sure not to miss a cows episode we keep them jammed packed with constructive information to sharpen your use of words to help eliminate the system of racism white supremacy asap also to be able to invest in my counter racist efforts co-hosting the cows radio program please visit my blog just do justice today you're just saying just buckets and buckets of words i got an uncle real crazy my uncle b 55 years old hates white people married to a white lady and he's sitting around going you know these crackers ain't shit Except for Susan. <laughs> he tried to explain the whole thing to me one day. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a white wife. I love her. She loved me. That's all that matter. But I tell you this. If the revolution ever come, I'll kill her first. <laughs> just to show these crackers I mean business. <laughs> motherfucker cracker ass. Motherfucker cracker. Shit cracker motherfucker. Well, hey, hey, hi, honey. <laughs> Motherfucker, cracker, I'll kill my cracker kids too. <laughs> Context of white supremacy. Very interesting. Hearing from Kevin McDonald, second time he's been on the program. I made note he said at least three times he is not sorry for slavery. Wanted to make sure that there was no confusion about that. No apologies coming from Kevin McDonald for slavery. <laughs> well, we we uh, just evaluation. My thoughts. Uh, we're not going to do the full three hours. People can be concise if they have anything they want to say before we wrap things up. But uh, we did much better. If I was to compare this to the exchange. When we had the white male racist suspect from Save White People on the program at the end of 2011, much better job, at least from the callers. Uh, seemed like everyone stayed pretty cool, pretty calm, pretty codified, dealing with a racist suspect. Job well done. Replace white supremacy with justice. No celebrating, just job well done, evaluation, continue to make improvements. Anywho. Um, I did think he had some uh, revealing points. I think more than anything, I was thinking, wow, like this older white person is really not feeling the 21st century version of white supremacy. Not digging the refinement. Much rather have this go back to being in your face. White people rule and oh, deal with it. Like uh, 
that was really coming across. Could just be me, though. We will check, see if anybody, any of the folks listening in, uh, have anything. I know we did miss some of the people that had questions. Um, I will use this as a reminder. If you call in, think you might want to ask a question or make a comment, do not wait until the last minute. I saw some of the folks that we missed, they dialed in uh, once we got close to the uh, top of the hour, second hour. I tell our guests we're doing two hours. If they can stay the extra hour, we do that, but I tell them it's two hours. So if you're calling in, you think you want to ask a question, get your hand up before we are, I would say, an hour 50 into the program. Go ahead and get your hand up. That way we can get your question. Don't wait till the last minute. Uh, so the people that dialed in uh, with questions, your line is open. I guess I'll go to 7344 because he did not get to ask a question. So if you want to share, if you have a comment about what you heard from my guest, uh, Professor Kevin McDonald, or if you want to share what your question was going to be, feel free. And then the other folks that dial in, if you have anything you want to share based on what you heard, uh, we'll make it concise so we can wrap up in 14 minutes. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I guess one of the, the questions I want to ask them, the professor, well, in summary, you know, I, I appreciate when uh, you can get uh, white, white people to be honest and keep it, you know, make it plain. But I noticed he did, you know, skirt over the issue about um, on black folks in general. So I just wanted to ask him whether or not he felt it would have been appropriate since he looked at, you know, civil rights as being a blurb in American history, did he feel appropriate to have reparations um, for those, you know, for black, for black people? And um, my second question would be, you know, did he feel it would be necessary to revisit so many of the, um, you know, racist practices that this country has been known for, you know, like the, you know, the Indian Removal Act and, the, you know, the Naturalization Act and, um, you know, all these different laws that they actually put in place to, um, you know, stifle, um, as he complained, immigration. And, uh, so, but that was uh, basically what I wanted to ask, just to see what his viewpoints were in regards to the laws that racist men had used previously to uh, stem the tide of um, non-white people coming to this uh, country. And that, that's it. Hey, Gus, I want to read this um, definition, apologist, one who speaks or writes in defense of someone or something. Um, I thought that that's when he kept saying that I'm not an apologist for slavery. I thought that that's what he was uh, basically represent, representing. So, But it seems like uh, you thought you felt like he was saying something else. So, yeah. What was the definition again? One who speaks or writes in defense of someone or something. Apologies. I could see it being that or um, a feeling of remorse. I could see it being either, either or. How he was. Uh, you, I could even see the relationship between the two. Like I'm not going to sit here and try to justify it and i don't have any remorse for it i could see both applying to him based on what i heard i don't know maybe get him to clarify but yeah i could see both uh being applicable 
what I thought was really interesting is that he kept saying over and over again that the power group does not have white interests at heart. And I wish I knew more what he meant by white interests. Me too. It just seems vague. Like, dude, like, the white people that you're... I mean, you're, it just seemed like, yeah, like what Gus was saying originally, like these powerful white people, they not, they want, like, they like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, you don't speak for us. <laughs> I just felt that's just, I'm just getting that feeling. Like he's speaking for a whole different group of, of people. Like these most, these powerful white people, they not, man, they not tripping off what he's, what he's tripping on. They doing exactly what they, you know. And they see it as a uh, white, um, you know, white power. You feel me? I could be mistaken, but. And I also agree with you, Gus, that he, McDonald, is not, accept, he's not accepting of the new uh, refinement of uh, white supremacy. However, even though he's not accepted of it, it's initially the same thing, so I don't understand why there's really, uh, he's like proposing opposition to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? To me, it sounds more like another um, deception tactic, if you you understand what I'm saying. I'm picking a background noise. I don't know if somebody's got their computer on or what have you just watch the background noise I asked him if he thought that white people had the power to um um you know get to get the uh, immigrants out of here and I thought he said no but then at the end he said you know there should be his policy of deportation or or, or something like that. So that seemed like a contradiction. Yeah, I think I think there were multiple contradictions in some of the things that he said, which is which is standard. Um, to the female caller's point about what his issue is. Um, I think particularly for older white people, and when I say older, I mean white people that are over 60. I think particularly for some of the older white people, uh, and this might just be with older people, period, um, even though it might be essentially the same in terms of the system of white supremacy, just the fact that it looks a little different, it functions a little different. I mean, for a white person that's like Mr. Fuller age, Mr. Fuller's age, 80 years old, I can only imagine what's going through their brain computer. Like we live in a world with a non-white president, a non-white person who has a white parent, much less. And I've got, I mean, just the world that they're in now in comparison to what it looked like uh, when Kevin McDonald was born, I could just see where a lot of them could be really upset about that and feeling a lot of the anxieties that he expressed, even though the system is still rolling right along. It's just, it looks a little bit different than it did 20th century so I could see where they might have some animosity and even some some genuine anxiety and thinking that you know if we keep down this route 
the system might fall apart in 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, whatever the case may be. I could see how some older white people might think that. But I think even that is cyclical because when Kevin McDonald, he said he was he said he was in the civil rights movement. I would have liked to have heard him explain more details about what exactly he did when he was involved with the so-called civil rights movement. But if he could be involved with the civil rights movement and playing jazz 40, 50 years ago, I'm sure his white grandparents were him now. You know, what is this you're doing? You're out here with these niggers and you're going to mess things up, everything that we worked for. And I mean, so I think that's just kind of a cyclical thing. Um, white, older white people perhaps having some feelings that the younger generation is going to botch things up for the system and the white race. And to dovetail off of your assessment, I think that also referenced back to Urugu, where um, Dr. Ani uh, makes the uh, point about how it's important to maintain a particular self-image for whites within the system of white supremacy. So from a 60 or 80-something white person view of uh, Kevin McDonald, that would seem unsettling because they don't see their self-image being constantly perpetuated. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I can see maybe that's why he's opposed to whatever he thinks this is, even though it's, it is essentially the same system, but it's just taking a different approach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I also thought it was really interesting that he only talked like a few minutes on was about this brutal issue or something brutality is going to occur. So um, I thought that was really interesting too, that he even states that, you know, if push comes to shove, you know, white people are going to get violent if necessary. I thought he was trying to say it like, which was another contradiction that he was feeling like um, black people was, you know, and, and Mexicans were trying, was going to, uh, be attacking white people, you know what I mean? Like, and then, I, which I don't think, I don't think is the case, but um, I think it's the other way around. But I think he was trying to say that, you know, tell like to tell white people that they can expect some uh, retaliation or some, you know, payback. So, you know, I, I heard a lot of the questions that the callers were asking, I thought were good because I was thinking about, you know, it was kind of on par with some of my my thoughts. And I think the the one guy called in and said and was reading some uh, something about like his colleagues calling it pseudoscience. It did it did seem a little pseudoscience. <laughs> of course, I thought about uh, Timothy, but it did seem a little pseudoscience. Like a, a lot of things she said, I don't think would uh, hold up to uh, hold up to hold up, you know, logically and, and scientifically and factually. And what I thought was also interesting, too, how he was dismissive when he said that black people have been, oh, he was like, oh, I'm not talking about black people. Black people have been in this country for four or 500 years now. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I did laugh a lot on that point. I was just thinking white people ain't going to let them go nowhere if they, if they have a say in it. Right. It was weird. 
I guess I guess the point of it was to hear like uh, you know someone that's writing. I guess he's pretty popular. What do you mean, pretty popular? I mean, uh, he has a large list of readership, or like, how is he relevant? Is, is it just, um, yeah? Is he is he pretty? Uh, I mean, well, he is a professor. He's got a tenure. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess I can see. What do you think? I think it gives us, a, um, I guess, as far as homework, some of the things he was saying as far as the uniqueness of white people. Because, you know, the Chinese were trading with Africans and um, and uh, and the Arabs and whatnot. Like, it was trade going on. And from what I read is that it didn't really shut down until the whites started, uh, you know, uh, so-called exploring. But they were stealing. And, 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 you know, the Arabs and Africans didn't, they wasn't. Yeah, so I don't think that that, like, that, that, that one part, I think we should, if, if people don't know, yeah, that was just plainly not true. Like, the Chinese were exporting, we were into Africa, trading back and forth with the Arabs, all, all that stuff was going on. So, I think he can get away with that kind of stuff if... You know, he's talking to people that don't know. Because I, I don't think that, that that was another something that wasn't true. A lot of stuff he said just wasn't true, really. I, it's just it's weird. Yeah, I, I kind of felt he was um, catering his conversation um, based on our participation. Um, it seems as though he anticipated um, a lot of um, the callers, like myself, to be when he pointed the finger at, you know, so-called Jews as being the real issue that, you know, a lot of um, black, non-white um, people that are a little bit you know, more confused would say, yeah, I could see that and, and make that distinction as saying that, you know, they're separate people and not, you know, um, realizing that, you know, they're all white folks, they're all classified as white folks, and and, and they're in a problem as all of them, not just, you know, trying to um, designate. So I think he was, you know, definitely refined in the way he was explaining that, you know, trying to put the emphasis on, you know, not so-called ordinary white folks, but using terms as elitists and Hollywood is being the Jews, but not saying that it was actually white folks definitely trying to use deception one thing it confirmed for me was uh, over and over again is that there is no remorse there is no possibility of coming to, of having any kind of mutual meeting of the minds that's uh, just just that's beneficial for black people and white people at the same time, they see their self-interest as against everybody else's self-interest. Even when they are not being harmed, if non-white people are benefiting in any way, they think they're being harmed. Like he made that comment about white people not wanting to pay. They vote against their own self-interest because they don't want that money going to non-white people. So I don't, it just confirmed for me once again 
that there's no way to coexist peacefully collectively with white people because they, uh, they seem to, as a group, see themselves as victims, even while they're victimizing everybody else. And anything that benefits non-white people, they see as a threat to their own self-interest. So it just confirmed it for me, all the contradictory uh, things that he was saying and this thing about black people attacking more white people uh, than, than vice versa and, you know, how uh, that's going to increase in the future when he had just said that white people may become violent toward, I guess, he is, uh, non-white people. So it just, it just confirmed it for me that there's no, really no way to overcome the mentality that they have collectively. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, Pam, with that statement, would you say that whites uh, tend to inflict harm up upon themselves? I'm sorry, white people intend, uh, have a tendency to do what? To inflict harm upon themselves, like over and over again, whether it's not going along, you know, according to their own favor or their own interests because they fear that non-whites are going to benefit too. Do you understand where I'm going with it? Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll act against their own self-interest? Correct. So I, it's like they're inflicting harm upon themselves in various aspects in life and in society. Yeah. You know, that's a hard call because I think that even when they vote against the self-interest, they still wind up better off than the non-white people, and they know that. Even when they make these decisions to do whatever, uh, they, they know they're going to still benefit more than... See, the, the, I think the thing that gets me is the level of dishonesty. I would have... A, I'd be a lot more comfortable, maybe I shouldn't be comfortable at all, if you just come out and say, listen, I don't like black people, I don't like non-white people, and it is my intention and desire to harm them. That would, to me, would lay it right on the table. It's all of this fake, phony poor me, woe is me, victimization, when this guy has lived long enough to know that non-white people get treated much worse than white people could even dream of being treated. When he made that statement about uh, the, the professors, how they're being mistreated. Well, it's kind of hard to compare professors who have tenure, who maybe, like Gus was saying, get some, a few bad emails with black professors who can't even get tenure. He knows that black professors are being denied tenure. I bet money. I won't say he knows. I would say I would assume that he's witnessed black people not getting tenure for no other reason than being black. Yet his focus is on the, on the tenured white professors who everybody is not embracing and, and giving some kumbayas to or whatever. So it's, it's I think they're just, it's almost like a sociopathic nature. The inability to truly tell right from wrong. Correct. Only see things in my self-interest. I mean, this sociopath, it, to me, I see it as sociopathy. Just a lack of, of a fundamental conscious and fundamental moral foundation. I just see it as, as something that seems to be inherent, something that appears to me to be genetic. And I agree with you, and it also makes me think of, the, think of white supremacy racism as an infectious disease. So the question would be, in order to replace white supremacy with justice, the question is, how do you isolate an infectious disease and to completely wipe it out and be cured from it? And I can't think of any way to do that because it hasn't been isolated, yeah. meaning white supremacy. 
You know, right. you see where I'm going with it? Yeah, yeah. It's actually infected non-white people. So right. it's, infection is spreading instead of uh, instead of uh, shrinking. It's actually spreading. So I don't know either. Last five minutes. Well, I uh, that's one of my fa- I, one of my favorite terms. To, I mean, was a sociopath. You know, they, that's how I see them as sociopaths for sure. And the uh, infectious disease, like I, I, you know, I think they just seem, you know, I describe them as cancer. And um, well, cancer is not a infectious disease. Just for clarification, cancer is non-infectious disease. Yeah, well, I see them as I see them as cancer. Like, now, I don't know about the infectious disease as a description for them. I think, uh, I think a description and you know identifying is important. Uh, when he was talking about his individualisms, I think that that's what cancer cells are. They're rogue cells. They don't care about the rest of the the the, the cells. They they turn rogue and they they do their own thing, which is destroy the body, reproduce and destroy the body. So. I think that that individualism that he was talking about it definitely um you know definitely holds with the different you know with just the scene just them being a cancer that's exactly what cancer cells do they don't care about the the world and other people it's just they do they're just gonna do do them they don't if you know it destroys the body and and ultimately gonna destroy them but it's like well, we're capitalists. We're individual. We're individuals. Um, so he he definitely describe. I think that uh, yeah, he definitely. That's just one of those. That's just one of their characteristics, their behaviors. I would just say. I think uh, you're right about the cancer part. Is I remember Dr. Welsing. Uh, I listened to something she said about two days ago, and I think she said something like the. It appears that the end game, the end point of white supremacy, is the destruction of all human life. That is the ultimate, that seems to be the direction that white supremacy has to go in. So when you look at it that way, it is like a cancer that's inside the body, and even though it's ravishing the body, it's got to do, it's got to do what it does. That's what it does. And even though it ultimately will destroy itself, uh, you know, uh, that it, the seeds of, I think Dr. Wellesley said the seeds of destruction of white supremacy are built into the system itself. And you can see that, that it's a super destructive system, and even while white people know that it's going to end in destruction, they would prefer that than to not spread. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any evidence that white people are concerned with the path or direction of necessarily the, um, you know, ongoing maintenance of white supremacy or, you know, no planet at all. You know, I, I think, uh, I think, they're pretty much set on that course, you know, like a cancer, like somebody who who uh, who uh, can't stop. I think, uh, but it's it's not a it's, uh, for me when I picture white people, it's, it's not it's not really like a uh, out of control sort of thing. It's real, like they display an ability to uh, not get distracted by the current difficulties, you know, from their long term objectives. You know what I'm saying? So they can they can take they can see taking a loss short term knowing it's gonna benefit them long term. You know, they, they, they do that all the time. You know. But look at what they're doing though. 
they're moving this world, and he can call them Jews, and he can, and that was one thing that I told myself, I am not going to get drawn into this thing about Jews and whites and Jews and blacks. I'm not doing it anymore. As far as I'm concerned, I don't care what your religion is, because religion is just a, a facade anyway. It's about white supremacy, whether they want to call themselves Zionist, Jews, whites, whatever, it makes no difference. And to me, when I look at the direction of pushing the world, they're pushing the world toward destruction, toward nuclear war. So I think that even while they make their calculated moves, ultimately their behavior is going to result in mass destruction, possibly even of, a, of, of themselves. So I just think it is something that's out of control in the sense of a sociopath cannot stop being a sociopath. No matter what you say or do, no matter what you offer a sociopath, they will always be a sociopath. So I do consider that a lack of control on that level, you know. Jeez. I mean, like a, a nuclear bomb, that's kind of like radiation. It gives people radiation. And I know for a fact that they have underground, um, like underground facilities for, you know, people that have the money they're building. Like I go on this one website where they show like these these preparedness things that they're building, and it's, a, it's all around like nuclear, some type of nuclear um, outbreak. Like that's their main. I guess that would be the you know if you had the money that would be your main focus. I mean if it could stop nuke radiation, it could you know it could stop anything. But man, I think I think that they not they yeah they'll drop that bomb, man. I think so. And someone told me they actually have dropped some have some limited nuclear uh, attacks on uh, was it Syria or was it Iraq? It was Iraq. They actually are. They're actually doing some things that really are not really uh, making it into the public domain. But um, I think that they'd rather destroy the world than to retreat and lose any of their power. Uh, so I, I don't know. Right on. We might be back tomorrow. Have to see. Waiting for confirmation. Uh, we'll put it on the Facebook page and post the content as soon as I know for sure. If we do, should be another white person. Always cool to talk to white people, if for no other reason than to practice your ability to uh, combat deception, particularly if you're talking to a white person and you think that they might be trying to pull one over on you which should be expected practicing your techniques and just for you know what you uh, what words questions and just getting comfortable handling yourself dealing with the problem white people uh, also it was quite a reminder him saying that if white people do not do anything to stop the invasion of non-white people that they will face uh, a growing population of black and non-white people who have a grudge for their history of mistreatment. I have heard that. I think white people have been saying that for about 160 years. If we want to reference again post 21st century, post reconstruction era, uh, white people have been saying that since the plantation, man. They have been saying that since John Brown was around. If we let these uh, Remus and the rest of our Negras off the plantation they will come back and try to chop us up and rape our women and eat our children they have been saying that forever um, 
and he has no personal experience of a black person with a vengeance looking to do him harm or mistreating him in any way no history of that at all standard you'll probably hear a lot more of that as well (sighs) invest if you think the program is constructive share and stay calm you know regardless if you're talking to a white person and you think they are lying to you telling you things that are just blatantly not true you should expect that and you know blood pressure shouldn't be all over the place you shouldn't be surprised it's (laughs) that's what we've been talking about you should uh, already be thinking of what you're going to say in response to that to reveal truth work towards replacing white supremacy with justice Uh, i did put the link for his review of snow white uh in the uh on the facebook group i'll put it in the chat room as well might be worth a look uh hearing what kevin mcdonald has to say about this film the new one snow white and the huntsman uh whether you've seen the film or not uh might be interesting to hear what he has to say and picking out the the racist messages that are supposed to be for white people in that film now that i didn't get to ask him i was going to ask him because he was talking about how the ideal form of love is non-sexual and i thought that was pretty interesting for a white person to be saying the ideal form of love is not sexual male female um maybe next time we'll see if we can get it back but you can read if you're interested in that you can just read the uh the film review that he did for snow white it's at the occidentalobserver.net and i'm putting it in the chat room right now uh, so you can see what Kevin McDonald had to say about that film. Anywho, we'll be back tomorrow. Invest if you think the program is constructive. Share the content. Put it on your Facebook page, Twitter. If you have any other social accounts uh, where you can link to the broadcast. If you think non-white people would benefit from hearing the cows. Uh, anybody want to do the prayer? Sign us out today. Hey Gus, before you do the prayer, did you did you see the U.S. Open? Uh, I don't know if you, I don't think you said anything about it. I did, I did, I did. Okay, yeah, it was good. Didn't uh, replace white supremacy with justice, but black person did. I said it. I just put it in the chat room. Um, thank you for the reminder. It just that seeing her win today. If Serena Williams was white, man. It would be difficult for me to imagine how popular she would be if she were a white person. I can't even imagine. She would hands down. She'd be the most popular female athlete in this area of the world. But I think even she would probably be the most popular white person, period, in this area of the world if Serena Williams was a white person. I could be wrong, but it's just it's hard for me to imagine uh, white people being able to contain their enthusiasm and pride. For a fellow white person, if they were doing everything Serena Williams had done, they, if she, if Serena Williams was white and she decided to crip walk at the Olympics, white people around the world would be doing the crip walk uh, and laughing about it, joking about it with a grand old thing. Woohoo! If she was white, world we live in. I think Josh Wicked he made a, a comment similar. Uh, he was talking about Wesley Snipes being a great actor. <laughs> Man, talking about Wesley Snipes, black people and their tax problems under white supremacy. But he was talking about Wesley Snipes and saying that you probably will not be able to accurately gauge how good a black person is at something under white supremacy because everything black people do is devalued, including black people themselves. So 
Serena Williams, anybody that you think that's black that, you know, has any sort of talent, you probably are only seeing a, a scratch of the surface with regards to what they could do if we were on a planet dominated by justice. But yes, I did see Serena Williams at the U.S. Open. Congratulations. I was looking for a dad. I didn't see her dad, but I did see her parents and uh, Venus was hanging out. Job well done. Watermelon on the plantation. She won another one. Still a victim of racism. Uh, cool. We will wrap up. Anybody for the prayer? Anybody for the prayer? I I I would like to ask the crew. I would like to do it if 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 that's okay. Cool. Check the Facebook page for the update. See if we're on tomorrow. If we are, it'll be 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. White person, white woman, white woman, white woman. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, just check, make sure that we that that does in fact go down. Uh, one of the people in the chat room they said uh, white people have actually been talking about Negro vengeance since the Haitian Revolution. So maybe that's been going on for 200 years. White people in there fears that uh, they're going to get their just deserves. Uh, again, we'll be back. Thank you all for listening in. 909, take it away. Yes, I just want to ask the creator humbly because we're not, we're not, um, you know, we're not the smartest people. We've been miseducated and dumped down. But if we're going to replace this system with a system of justice, we need to, we need to, it seems to me, and identify what racism is. And, you know, they, or we're not going to solve this problem. I mean, it's in, it's in us. And if we are, if we haven't identified um, this problem and understand it, understanding how it works we're not going to be able to make any we're not going to be able to make the necessary changes so just on that ignorance on our behalf i would just ask the creator to um speed us up you know on that on that um identification because this it, we need to we need to know it because we're, we're not going to we're not going to be able to help ourselves so if if that's a problem and you know the creator knows and um help us to solve that problem immediately you know somehow these people have gotten inside of us and you know we we want them out but the only way you can say that i i i, I just feel and i could be incorrect but um i just would like some clarity and some wisdom to be to come down that um that that you know we could say that we want it out or we want to want to replace but if we can't properly identify it then those words are seem to me to be meaningless so um creator just help us in that um just help us with our ignorance and 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 and, and that and um yes uh just help just help us in that and uh that's all amen Ashe. Ashe. Context of white supremacy signing out.
replace white supremacy with justice as soon as possible. Cow signing out. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.